Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode of the show is Go Pokemon Go because, well, we kind of got a surprise this last week with the launch of Pokemon Go, which I don't think we thought would happen this quickly. No thoughts on this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> say something. Uh, I'm just going to stay quiet on that. You did think it would happen this quickly? I don't know. I guess I did uh, never really see, the, the reason, gave myself a time for it. The reason I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly is because at E3, when Miyamoto's like, Pokemon Go Plus will be out by the end of July, all the people in the panel look you know really what nervous and I think it's because um, from the get-go, the concept was something that never really grabbed my attention. Kind of made me go like, oh, it would just come out when it comes out because I don't really care. Cause I, it's I guess that's Pokemon fair. Go. I mean, not like in a bad way, obviously. I mean, we will obviously get into that later. Like, I mean, there are aspects of it that I really do appreciate. But for the most part, I was never really looking forward to it. So when oh. it came out, I was just like, oh, it's out? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, for me, it was a surprise. And it was kind of like, uh, I feel like overnight, this thing has become kind of like a pop culture like phenomenon. So it's like, it's everywhere. Like, literally, I just drive past people playing it. But anyway, so now, um, an episode that we thought was going to be pretty quiet, because the weeks after E3 are always kind of quiet. It's actually a pretty hefty episode, because we've got thoughts on Go. We have um, our ideas of what we think Go should do next in order to stay afloat and not fall off the face of the earth like Mitomo did. We then have thoughts on how Mitomo is recovering itself or trying. Uh, and then there's stuff, of course, on Nintendo's own platforms we're talking about this episode. We've got new Sun and Moon Pokemon the surprise final Splatoon Splatfest, uh, a new theory about who the NX is targeting, and then we're wrapping up all of that with uh, some belated indie game impressions from E3 of games like, or specifically uh, including, Severed, Azure Striker, Gunvolt 2, and um, Shantae Half-Genie Hero. So, it's actually a pretty big right after E3 episode, which I did, or like first episode post-E3 coverage, which kind of surprised me. So... Use the timestamps on the site if you want to hear something specific. Otherwise, I guess to start things off, we already were talking about but let's talk about Pokemon Go and Nintendo's new role in mobile with Go and Mitomo and whatnot. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I didn't think this was going to be out. So it was kind of surprising to have it already. And, I mean, the podcast has been live for what? Or the podcast has been live. The app has been live for, what, six, seven days when this podcast goes up? And... Has it really been that long already? It came out Tuesday in Australia, Wednesday in America. Huh. Um, and as of this recording, it's number one on the U.S. App Store. It's number one on the U.S. Google Play Store. It only took five hours to get to number one on the App Store. It's currently, as of this recording, the top-grossing app in the App Store. It's dethroned mainstays like Clash of Clans and its sequel, Clash Royale, and even Candy Crush. It's it's doing really well. For comparison, Mitomo stopped climbing the top-grossing chart at number 73. Pokemon got got to number one in under a day. So it's doing so well. Nintendo's stock is up over 10%. Last I looked, it was 13% up. Well. Strictly off go. So to put it simply, this thing is doing well. Quite well. Uh, but perhaps more impressive than just chart positions is just like... It's kind of like a pop cultural moment. It's like a thing. It's like a bona fide like, thing right now. Like It's everywhere. You can't escape it. That's funny. That, like, and I... Because of how popular it is right now, I could definitely see it. Um, once it starts to taper off and start like slowing down a little, all they have to do is go, like, all right, here is Johto. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that's going to be like the biggest news ever. And I guess concurrently, everything after that is just going to um, have the same effect. Yeah, it's, it's a really crazy. smart strategy. And that's something I think we're actually going to talk about a bit. Is like, 
how do they keep it going with stuff like that? Like, because you need more than just saying, here's Johto. Like, I'll give it a bump, but to keep right. it at this level of money it's making. Well, and with every one of those expansions, you're definitely kind of losing some people. I mean, yeah. people definitely, for the most part, stop. I mean, and I'm talking about like super general level people that barely touch Pokemon. Like, they probably stopped caring after, I want to say, Hoenn. Hoenn was probably like the cutoff point for many. Yeah, I think like, gold they, and silver. They either yeah. played Hoenn and just stopped from there or didn't even bother getting Ruby and Sapphire. And I don't know. I think, like, to me, the most surprising thing, or I don't know, this is just like a case study just from one friend that I knew liked Pokemon when he was a kid, but he. Very, 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 oh, very, very rarely talked about it. I guess after that, he never played Ruby and Sapphire. Pretty much acts like he doesn't care about Pokemon nowadays. But then when this came out, he was actually tweeting pictures at us that, oh, I caught this, or there's also this going on. And that yep. just kind of yep. blew my mind. Just well, If this guy, of all people, is like getting really into it, then it's like no surprise to me that it's a success. Here's where I realized things were getting crazy. And I'm not even talking about the stuff we've seen online, the news reports, all that, which I do want to talk about. I'm talking about what I've seen like anecdotally in the real world. I have seven coworkers who are currently playing Pokemon Go. Two of them I knew had an interest in Pokemon or an interest in this game or were gamers in any way. The other five just came out of nowhere. I never knew they cared about Pokemon. One of them just out of blue one day is like, all right, so how do I catch Pokemon? I'm like, wait, what? And then they just had the app. They're just like, show me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like someone I never thought would play. And then like all our friends are playing it. And just, I mean, granted, I work in an environment where there is a lot of gaming going on. My office is right next door to Square Enix. It's right next door to the mobile game dev com to us. It's down the street from Korean Nexon. They're the ones that do um, Maple Story back in the day. It's uh, down the street from Activision Blizzard, one of their offices. So I see a fair amount of people walking around playing it. But what I didn't expect to see is when I was driving home from work on Friday, once I got to my neighborhood, I passed multiple groups of people playing Pokemon Go. Like, you could tell they're playing because they have their arm outreach. They're, like, flicking. They're, different people are spinning in different directions while standing still. Like, it's very clear what they're doing. But, yeah, like, I saw one group driving home. I round the corner at my house in Park, and I live right across the street from a church. So it's actually a gym, which is very convenient for me. But, um, yeah, I pull up to my house, and there's these two guys. They're, like, 18, 19. They're twins. They're dressed identically. It is weird. But, nonetheless, they're both standing there capturing the gym. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it's been out for 36 hours, and I'm passing multiple groups of just random people walking around playing Pokemon. Like, I only see people walking around if they're walking their dogs. It's L.A. No one just walks. And yet, here they are playing Pokemon. Like, it, it's kind of cool like it's it really feels like this communal like moment of sorts it's, it's neat and then of course there's all the online stuff which uh i mean you've probably seen the memes right there's all sorts of stuff yeah. it's like the, all the sport all the major sports teams are like tweeting pictures of pokemon in their stadiums that they found there's police stations in australia telling people please don't come inside to get your sand shoe. you can get them outside there's real estate listings that now actually say, like, conveniently located next to two Pokemon gyms and down the street from eight Pokestops. Really? Yes. Wow. There's um, there's memes, of course. There's uh, stores that are putting Pokemon things into their ads to promote it. Like, there are two different clubs in New York that are literally like, we have a Pokemon gym inside. Come on down. Or, like, um, there's a pizza place I saw of, I think it's in Michigan, where it's, like, 600 CP Charizard found here, <laughs> like, on their marquee instead of saying, like, what their current special is. There's some stores that are putting up signs like you can only come in and get Pokemon if you buy something. There's like, it's, it's getting ridiculous. And then of course there's all the things like, um, has any other 
um, iOS uh, like phone game have done anything? So. Like that? I don't think so. But like I, I say, feel like I, mean, I don't remember hearing anything to this extent with um like Angry Birds or whatever, except for like oh, productivity at an all time low. Yeah, I mean, I don't. If anything, I don't know. I don't know it's more like kids are more active than ever. <laughs> yeah, it's fine because like. Well, I started to say is there's also these cases of, like, it's now hitting mainstream media in only a day or two, which is what's crazy. Like, there's stories of, like, transportation departments and, like, like you know how here in L.A. we have Caltrans that runs our freeways and highways? Like, over in Tennessee, they have the Department of Transportation of their own, and over in Seattle, they have the same one for Washington State. Both of those have put out PSAs on social media about not playing Pokemon Go while you drive. There are news reports of people crashing cars in Baltimore because they're trying to catch Pokemon. There's a news report of... A guy that got, or not a news report, I think it was on Reddit, a guy got his phone stolen at knife point because he walked into a bad neighborhood playing Pokemon Go, not realizing he went to a bad neighborhood. There's my, my, the craziest. In Wyoming, a girl was in the woods trying to go a river to catch water Pokemon and stumbled across a dead body. And then, obviously reported to police, but then she didn't even get her water Pokemon, which is the sad part. But, um... Like, all these stories are bubbling up. Like, my mom emailed me a, an article that's like, look at this BuzzFeed thing about how crazy Pokemon is. And, like, the title of the BuzzFeed article is like, Pokemon Go is taking over the world and it's very, very scary. Or, like, something. Like, it's it's nuts. I don't know. It's just... I feel like I strayed from your original point. But what were we talking about? What were you asking? You were starting to ask something. I don't even remember. Oh, uh, well... Yeah, either way, like, it's... It's so big, so fast that we're already running into the reports of, like, Pokemon Go could be dangerous. Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of insane. And, I mean, it does have its problems. Like, everything I just said, oh, it's so viral, it's so great. But with virality and with this uptick and, oh, your question was, has anything grown this quickly? I don't think so. I don't think we've seen, that's where I was going with all this. I don't think we've seen stories about people finding dead bodies while playing Angry Birds and within two days of it coming out. Granted, that circumstance is non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's partly why there's so much more attention. Because, like, you can physically see it. You don't, like, I read on NeoGAF, a guy had an anecdotal story where he's like, I went to a mall, went to the food court, someone put a pokey, uh, a lure on the Pokestop there, and they're like, he said he sat down with his food, looked around, there were about 20 people just buried in their phones, like, flicking, like, getting Pokemon from the Pokestop. Because how it works is you put a lure down, and then for 30 minutes, anyone that's near that Pokestop can uh, get Pokemon. So, like, it, you never see that with anything. I did see a post that I thought was kind of funny where someone was just giving people tips on what what to take with you if you're going to go out hunting Pokemon. And then they just had to take a backpack, <laughs> take some water, some snacks. And it literally just sounded like they were going hiking. Oh, yeah, like, I saw that post. And then, like, the person was like, Tumblr discovers what hiking is like or something. Yeah, something about, like, oh, like, this looks like it was written for someone that has never, like, seen Been it. outside. Oh, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's, it's cool because, like, there's so many people that... There's someone on Reddit who's like, I haven't left my house in 10 years. He could be bluffing. Who knows? It's anecdotal. But he's like, I haven't left my house in 10 years. I have social anxiety, all these issues. Pokemon got me to go outside. Or, like, there's some mental health service that tracks, like, people's self-reported well-being. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've been outside more the last couple of days for Pokemon. Obviously, the people that use that site are more likely to report problems, so it's obviously skewed a little. But still, like, it's 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 doing things. Like, Pokemon always has tried to do this angle of, like, go out in the world. Pokemon should be communal. Like, Link Cables on the Game Boy, the Poco Walker, the Pokemon Pikachu. Like, all those things were, like, about going out. But this is the first time that Pokemon's like, listen, you didn't go outside, so now you have to go outside. <laughs> Just do it. And I feel it, like this game it. really needs to connect to the Pokemon Bank somehow. It will, ultimately, I'm sure. I feel like that's, like, the ultimate reward for those people that want to bridge the gap to the games. Because yeah. I feel like what better way than to take those Pokemon that you already caught? I mean, like, if you have to start from scratch, I feel like you'll almost demotivate them. Because there were people 
I mean, they were already ignoring mainline Pokemon games as it is, so if you want to get those Pokemon Go people that never played mainstream, well, mainline Pokemon games, then I feel you should at least let them keep those Pokemon they caught. Yeah. Even if, I mean, you don't have to let them use them until, like, level, I don't know, level 5 or 6 or something, but yeah, just and I mean, keep them there. Yeah, because it's true that, like, there are probably some people that they can hook into the main Pokemon series at this point, because, like... The thing that Go has going in its favor, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, by not letting you battle, almost kind of encourages you to try regular Pokemon yeah. somewhere down the line. Well, this is this is the most crazy marketing tool, and it's working perfectly because like they took Pokemon and they're like, let's distill it to something that anyone can do really easily, and then they made a game that appeals to two entirely separate audiences simultaneously, which is why I think it blew up so big because you got younger kids who are into it because they're into Pokemon legitimately, like that they're of the right age to watch the show, to have the training cards, to play the games. This just tacks on to that. But then you also got us, the older generation, the seven, me and my seven coworkers, me and the people on the streets, me and all, you know, and you are all our friends who are doing it for nostalgia, whether it's a conscious nostalgia or not, like it's nostalgia. That's why we're all like, oh my God, I found a Scyther at the park. Like the friend you were talking about earlier, he sent that in a group chat to us. It's like in any other circumstance, if it was, if it was Yokai watch, and he was into Yokai Watch. He's not going to be like, look at the ghost I found in the park. No, yeah, it's usually, Scyther, it's nostalgia. It's like that guy's like the last to want to suggest playing video games. Like, with He's a, a guy that normally sends us pictures of Yeezy shoes he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although Sai, when I was said, oh, let's, when someone said, let's play Smash Bros. as a group. And he's like, oh. Yeah, but like the nostalgia is really what's yeah. hooking people. It's, it's, there's no way Nintendo could replicate this with another app fully. But they basically yeah, have the Pokemon one Pokemon is definitely right made for this. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it's getting double the attention because you got these two toy different audiences. With a very small intersecting oh, yeah, point, just like, but all three... Just that picture-taking yeah. aspect of it gets, like, all these Instagram people. It's and, made to go viral. It's yeah. it's basically... It's really smart. It wasn't... That wasn't even in the beta. That screenshot thing they added between the beta and the release, and it... I feel like they probably looked at Mitomo and went... Even Mitomo went viral for a minute there. Like, nowhere near this extent. Like, Mitomo was viral in the gaming community. This is viral in the, like culture yeah. <laughs> like in all of the like the pop culture so 2016 yeah, the year of the pokemon yeah. and unfortunate mass shootings but mostly pokemon uh but no it was like yeah it was just it's interesting to see because they, it's almost like they haven't even promoted it properly it's not even on nintendo's homepage. if you go to nintendo.com right now they have not a single reference to pokemon go there's not a single the banner store. on the app store for yeah. pokemon go there's not a single commercial on TV. There's not. There's nothing. It was strictly viral, and that trailer from nine months ago, and the Super Bowl ad, and that has carried it all the way to being one of so the at this fastest point, growing do you apps think ever. They're going to or going to advertise? Yeah. Once the initial buzz dies now. Well, right now, no, because that brings us to the problems of Pokemon Go, which are with the popularity comes not just those weird news reports I was saying, but also. Um, connection issues and real server issues and errors and downtime and crashes and bugs and there's been a lot because i mean i know you haven't you haven't played a ton of go yet right nope but i've been like pretty obsessive over it the last few days like conveniently enough my uh, one of my coworkers is actually my boss is also super into it so we'll just like spot days and be like let's go to the beach for lunch catch some water types or like it'll be like three in the afternoon it's like slow day at work slow day at work let's go let's go conquer that hotel nearby and make it our gym so that that has helped me like get more into it it's more i'll be honest pokemon goes a lot more fun when you're walking around with people by yourself by yourself you come off creepy like i did it the night I came out i walked around my neighborhood at like 11 30 at night and um 
yeah, I looked like a creep. I was just standing in front of people's homes, holding my phone camera up to their windows, hoping they didn't notice, because that's where the Pokemon was. It's not my fault. Um, I'm pretty sure the cops might have been called, but I was back inside my own home before they arrived. Uh, No, but it's, yeah, it's a little weird if you're by yourself. If you're in a group, it feels a little more natural and a little less awkward. My favorite thing, though, is walking around. Someone else has their phone out. You see them from far away. You're like, I bet they're playing Pokemon Go. And then as the two of you approach each other, you both go, I don't want to be that guy that's still looking at his phone. So you both put your phone in your pocket, and you kind of nod at each other, like, I think I know what you're doing, but I'm not going to acknowledge it, and then you keep walking. And then as you turn and look behind you, you see they, they just like you, have already pulled their phone back out. <laughs> that That's the funny one. But, um, yeah, what was I starting to say? Oh, yeah, the problems, the server issues. There's a lot of them. So... Um, it all kind of started with the name selection. Uh, this may or may not be a bug versus a conscious feature function, I don't know, but it was nearly impossible to pick a name the first day or two. It's still hard to get a good name. Like, I went through every potential name I could think of. JSR, JSR7, JSR07, JSR007, Jason R, all within 90 minutes of the app coming out. Then again, you don't have to be Jason Reckman in order to have those initials, so... Yeah, but how many people... Well, let me put it this way. I joined Twitter three, four, five years after it launched. I joined Instagram two, John three Richards. years after it launched, right? On both those services, I got JSR seven years after they launched. In Pokemon, I couldn't get 90 minutes after it launched. That seems to me... Yeah, hey, you're competing with kids now. They were born in 2007. I guess, but how many of them are JSR? Well, either way, <laughs> that was that was the least of the issues, I guess. The server issues are the real problem. They're still happening. Like, I was trying to play Pokemon Go earlier while we were setting up to record gonna do it uh but yeah the first few days like it's just been random downtime and bugs but you said you uh, caught a right horn or something i did because it'll randomly work and then randomly not work and then randomly work and then randomly not work and then the worst stuff is where it's working and then the server goes down while you're doing things for example i've had instances where i would catch a pokemon throw the pokeball pokemon's in the pokeball and then it just sits there never says gotcha never actually like shows anything Never acknowledges it. It just sits there and sits there. And then I have to force quit the app. And then the Pokemon's never caught. Or worse, this is the worst problem, gym bugs. So this happened to me and uh, my boss when we were walking around by our office. You go you go to a gym. Uh-huh. Let's say it's a level 5 gym. You, how the gym system works, for those who don't know, is you have to defeat, you have to go defeat them multiple times to knock down to level one. Like, you get multiple Pokemon, you go defeat each Pokemon, you work your way down. We got down to level one to the final Pokemon to one HP. At that point, you go, oh, sweet, I just won. Nope, that Pokemon just lives forever at one HP and keeps attacking you and kills you. And then you can't run away, you can't switch Pokemon, it's just stuck at one HP. So you have to force quit, and then the gym remembers that you knocked it down to level one. The gym does not remember that you beat it. So then someone else, this is actually what happened. We stood there for 20 minutes, like, whatever. It's obviously not working. Let's go. So we almost took the gym. We leave. We're team red. The gym was team yellow. We're like, we'll come back. We'll make it a red gym. 10 minutes later, we check the app back in our office. It's suddenly team blue. Someone came in that didn't have the bug and just like, oh, sweet. Only one level. And just, like, took it. So that's kind of a real issue. Like, I can't claim gyms even to this day. Mm. At all. So... um, yeah, so that's the sort of stuff I think they need to work out. And, of course, they are going to be improved over time. It's just, like, right now they're bad enough that Niantic, the developers, have actually paused the international rollout of Pokemon Go. Like, they're saying they're going to put it back when they're comfortable with uh, the performance, but they're not saying what that means or when that will be. And, like, 
I will give them credit. The the downtime's a lot better. Like, day one was a nightmare. Now, yeah, it kind of comes and goes, but you can mostly play. I've had more success playing than not playing. So, wait, that's a badly worded sentence. I was able to play more than not play. Obviously, I had success in not playing if I just kept it in my pocket. But, um, but yeah, it's hope- hopefully they're going to figure out the rest of it. The one thing they really need to work on that they already know of, at least, is battery issues. So this thing is a major battery hog. Again, if you played it, you'd understand. But um, I played for 30 to 40 minutes today. I went from 88 to... Or actually, no, I take that back. This was a couple days ago. I went from 88 to 35% uh-huh. in 40 minutes. Today, it was a little better because the servers are a little better. So I only went from 100% to... No, no, it was equally bad. I went 100% to 50% in an hour today. So that's a little better. But also, I was using other apps, so maybe that's part of the problem. But nonetheless, like, an hour losing that much, like... Yeah, they said they're fixing it, so hopefully they are. And there's actually a really handy feature. For those who don't know... If you go into your settings in your app, like when you go to your trainer menu and click the settings, you can turn on a battery saver. And how it works is if you tilt your phone away from you, like kind of upside down, the screen goes completely dark or mostly dark. And it will still do the GPS. It'll still be running the app. It just won't be using screen resources. So that helps save battery life a bit. However, it also has a bug where sometimes when you raise the screen back up, the touchscreen doesn't work. So what you have to do, force quit, lose everything, start again. (laughs) So not everything. That's hard. That's a strong lose everything since you last saved. But, and it does autosave. I think the problem with Go is every time you do anything in it, it has to ping the server, which is what leads to the gym bug, which is what leads to the catching bugs, which is what leads to sometimes having a Pokemon than not having a Pokemon. So, uh, yeah, nonetheless, it's still, it's still, uh, the, the barrier issue is still pretty bad to the point where I think it's going to prevent me from even touching Pokemon Go during Comic-Con in a couple weeks. Which is unfortunate, because, like, Comic-Con seems like a great place to do Pokemon Go. There's going to be so many lures set up by people, and so many cool... There's probably going to be, like, a rare Pokemon there. I'm sure they're thinking of doing publicity stuff there. And yet... Uh, I mean, if Soul Service is as bad as it is, sometimes at Comic-Con, just imagine Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a nightmare. So, so that's the problem with Pokemon Go. But there is a lot that I feel it does right, at least over the beta version. So, I went... For those who haven't listened, if you go to episode 125, I walked through all the mechanics of Pokemon Go pretty in-depth from the beta. Like, I would say what? I spent, like, half an hour talking about Pokemon Go that day. Um, so I'm not going to go through that again. You can just go listen to an episode from two episodes ago. But what I am going to say is they actually did a lot of improvements for this final build. Like, uh, the UI is really nice now. I like the uh, Pokedex being not only a fully functional thing, but it actually has, like, bios about Pokemon and stuff, too, like, straight out of the game, which is kind of nice. It's really easy to browse. Like it's no Pokedex Pokemon Pro, but it's pretty nice. No, yeah, it's no Pro, but you, you get what you pay for, which in this case is free. And, and speaking of paying, actually, the monetization in this game is nowhere near as crazy as I thought it would be. Like, basically, you can play the whole game if you're in a somewhat urban area or a place with people that play. You can play the whole game without spending anything because there's just Pokestops everywhere. And you go to Pokestop, you spin it, and it just gives you items. You catch a Pokemon, it just gives you items. So I've never had to buy anything. I've never run out of Pokeballs. I've never really had an issue. I've read online about people in some more rural areas who are like, there's nothing here. And then that's kind of a weird situation. And, I'm not, and I guess that's where monetization is more crucial for you. But if you're anywhere with anyone of a quantity higher than 10, let's say, you're probably okay. So that that was a pleasant surprise for me. Mm. But Oh, and also they have this cool thing called the journal now, where it actually is a running log of every Pokemon you caught, what time, where, that sort of thing. And if you go into the Pokemon's bios, like in your Pokemon, like your actual Pokemon you have, it'll show you exactly where you caught them on map, which is kind of cool. 
So there's some kind of like life logging stuff in there too, which is neat, like self journaling. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. I mean, you you played it. I feel like you played it for like a minute. <laughs> like, is it, what what's holding you back? Is it just the fact that it's all collecting and you're more battle oriented guy? Mm, no, because I mean, I know. I mean, I know what this game is. I'm not gonna hold that against it or any app for that matter like oh this app isn't a purely competitive game i'm just not gonna ignore it yeah um 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 i think it's because there is no mystery to it like as far as um what pokemon there are like right now we know like all right it's the first 151 like sure that's cool but there's no okay sorry continue like but that's the thing like right now like that means i know for a fact like a lot of my all-time favorite pokemon are Pokemon that came out in later generations. Chatbot. So there's just like no motivation for me to try to capture them because for one thing, like I don't really care to capture them all. And I would just want to capture like yeah, like just Chatot, Rodon, like some Pokemon like that. Well, well that's the thing that's different so, about this. So it's one. just like a waiting game for me at this point. The thing that's different about this one though is you do like the focus is catching them all. There is no like pick your favorite. Like you see a Geodude, you catch it because if you get twenty five of them, you upgrade you up. Uh, evolve him into Grabbler. So you're like, okay, I will catch 25 Geodudes. I currently have... Hold on. I think I have something like 89 Pokemon, but I only have maybe 15 different actual Pokemon or 20 different actual that's Pokemon. Well, that's just my thing, I guess. I just don't care to catch sure. the other So one. it is about the, like, like, I'm, the like, catching as an appeal to you. Like, I'm literally content with just having... Just capturing my favorite Pokemon. Like, I mean, from this generation, I guess I could go and try to get a Hitmonlee and a Magmar. Those are probably the only two that I would care about from... Yeah. The first 150. I have a lot of Mankeys. But for the most part, it's just... Yeah, it's just not there right now. That sounds weirdly dirty. I have a lot of Mankeys. But I do. I'm going through them right now. And I do have 86 Pokemon. But of, like... If I go look at the Pokedex, I think I only have a handful in there. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it, it, I see your point, kind of, that if you don't care about the Pokemon in terms of just the raw quantities and the whole geo location game of getting them all, then, yeah, it does kind of lose something. So yeah. I mean, unless like I don't know if some of the other friends, um, maybe one in particular that I might that might want to turn it into a competition. I mean, if it turns into that, then maybe I would be more motivated to go and capture them all. Well, I mean, there is if there's like a race of like, oh, who can get all of them first? Then yeah, that would probably make it more intriguing to me. But for now, it's yeah. That that almost brings up an interesting point though, and that's that they need to add stuff to Pokemon Go. Like right now, it's going super viral, but to if Niantic and Nintendo and Pokemon Company want to prevent it from going the Mitomo route, where it's like a meteoric rise and an equally fast fall, they will probably need to add stuff. Because, I mean, once you get over the hump of, okay, I'm catching them, I get it. Like, someone like you, you're bored after two minutes. Like, I, I'm sure there are a ton of people who are checking out for the nostalgia, and they're like, all right, all I'm seeing are Geodudes. Why would I keep doing this? I'm going to quit. Like, they need, they need to iterate on it and add new stuff and your idea about like competitions with friends is actually an interesting one because like i feel one of the things they should probably add are like user profiles which is something they don't currently have and the yeah, idea or here, maybe like just challenges like daily or weekly or challenges. challenges like i don't know but you would still need to use a profile to know if you're competing against your no no yeah yeah that's yeah. It. like yeah and they could just theme it like if it's i don't know east oh there's no rabbit pokemon in first gen um i don't know they could do grass types for easter or like bugs for like august like sometime in august yeah they could just they say could like, like like oh capture, capture five and... within like this hour window and see who could do with the yeah past. or like do know. like oh it's twilight and the bugs are out because it's the end of summer go catch them during the twilight hours yeah. or something yeah 
But yeah, because I think competition is mean, really good. I mean, I'm sure those legendary Pokemon are some of the events that they're going to try to trigger. But oh, definitely. But I, f- I feel like they definitely need some other quests or mini things to do. Like it could, doesn't even have to be catching related. It could be hit this many different Pokestops or see. They sort of have like some of that, and that's why I think user profiles would be good. Is they have an achievement system hidden in here. They don't. They never talked about it. I don't even think it was in the beta. But they have medals you can earn or badges. I think they call them. I'm trying to remember. Let's see. I'm pulling them up right now. They are... They actually, I don't say what they call them. But um, you get achievements if you, you know, uh, get a certain number of Pokemon in your Pokedex, a certain number of fighting types, grass types, uh, that sort of thing. But is that uh, stuff shared with your friends? No. Not. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at, is if they did a user profile, they could make that more of a thing. And then even if they don't make their own competitions, even if they don't bother doing your idea of, like... You know, it's 12 o'clock, time to go catch a Pidgey at high noon in today's competition. Why a Pidgey, though? Um, but, yeah, they they could at least let you make your own by having the comparisons. Because, I mean, every Pokemon game in the main state, in the mainline series has trainer IDs. Those little fake ID cards that show you You even name. get to sign them. Yeah, they show your name. They show you your signature. They have how many badges you have, and they have other little... Yeah, how many stat, Pokemon you've caught, how, how much you've played... Like, how cool would it be if they just made a trainer ID in the game, and then you just have a friends list, and you just browse their trainer IDs? They can even get yeah. a little fancy and actually show which Pokemon they own, because yeah. ultimately they're I think it'd trading. be nice to check their progress. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because, yeah. like, if, they have, if they're putting trading in, which they say they are doing, because to, to Niantic's credit, we're saying they need to iterate, and they are. Real quick, I should probably say this. They are adding Pokemon Beyond Kanto, as we already talked about. They're adding trading. It'll integrate with Sun and Moon in some direct way, possibly through Pokemon Bank, as you were suggesting. That'd be kind of cool. But beyond that, I feel like I need to do stuff. Because, like, if you have trading, you need usernames, presumably. Like, don't you want to be able to browse what the people have? Or is it just going to be like you throw... Is it going to be, like, location-based? Like, if I'm standing next to you, is it going to be like, there's this guy here. His name's his name's Wero. Um, I, I guess you could trade with him. Like, that seems very kind of janky. Like, it'd be better if you could, like, be like, I'm training with him and, like, press you. And then it launch- it shows me your profile. It shows me your Pokemon. And then you get to pick. Like, that seems... Or you get to see what's on offer or something. Like, it just seems like profiles make the most sense. So, I mean, right now, to their credit, they do actually That's true. Have- I guess every profile could even have, like, a... Like a want and have, like, I don't know, maybe you could yeah. put up, like, oh, this is the Pokemon I'm putting up for trade, and this is what you're looking for. They could literally make a Craigslist for Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. It could be Oaks List or something. Um, oh, actually, that's kind of good. Oaks List. Or, well, I guess Willow is the professor yeah. in this one. Willow List. <laughs> but that actually has a ring to it. Will Lit. Will. It sounds like a Pokemon. The Willow Trading Tree. It's like a whole tree of different trades. But no, uh, yeah, Willow List does sound like Pokemon. But, I mean, they do, to Niantic's credit, they do actually have a hidden little multiplayer mode in here already. If I go to a gym, and you go to a gym, and we're both at the gym at the same time, and I'm battling in the gym, and you're on my team, like Team Red, Team Yellow, Team Blue. By the way, go Team Red. Uh, if we're battling at the same time, and I'm in there, you will actually see me and be on the other side of the same battle and be able to fight the same Pokemon as me. There's no, like, immediate, there's no way you can directly be like, I am going to fight with you. But you can just kind of go in when someone else is there. And so are you actually like double teaming a Pokemon? You're double teaming a Pokemon or triple teaming or whatever. But you don't, depend on the people, but you don't actually get any sort of direct like you are now fighting with blood. You're just kind of there. And there's a, and because of the server issues, there's been some weird lag where like I would have the one HP glitch that I was mentioning before and then like force quit the game. And then uh, whoever I'm with will go in and be like, Hey, I see you. And I'm like, that's weird. I stopped playing five minutes ago. So it, there's a little lag. But yeah, like they have the groundwork of like you can recognize other people in your area. 
because right now it's a very solo experience for the most part. You don't see any other trainers on your map. The only things that are communal are the battles, and then if someone puts a lure on a Pokestop, everyone sees the lure, and everyone can come over. There's, like, little confetti falling around it and stuff. So, mm. so I mean, I think user profiles would be a great step in that direction. Um, another thing, actually, I think they should do, I said this with the beta, and now I'm doubling down on it, they need notifications. They need in-game alerts. They need something to tell you what's going on. Because, like, right now, you have no clue when you lose a gym. It's If someone defeats your Pokemon, how it works is you leave a Pokemon at the gym. And then it just stays there until it loses. And then when it loses, it magically reappears in your list in your Pokemon inventory, so to speak, with one HP. And I guess that's just how you know. <laughs> I guess, but how would you know to look? There's no way of knowing. So it just it just seems like a notification would go a long way to streamline that because you know you could get a push that says, "Hey, you just lost the gym at the fountain down the street or whatever it's called," uh, and it could probably it could even list who took your gym, the CP of the Pokemon that's there. That's the equivalent of HP in this game. The CP of the Pokemon that's there. It could tie into the account system if there is one. Let you look at the trainer ID of the guy that took your gym. Like there's potential there, and it all helps to motivate you to get back into the game and go get your gym back. It's literally a way to keep people engaged, which is something that Mitomo suffered in that people checked it out and then dropped it. But if you're constantly, it's, if you're being told like, hey, you might want to go reclaim your gym, you're losing ground, that might motivate you to be like, oh, maybe I should get back into Pokemon Go. I want my gym back. Like, I don't want to lose all my progress to other people. So once the notification system's in place, I feel like they actually have more opportunities from there too because you can do like, you know, there could be a notification if there's a legendary Pokemon nearby because those are going to be rare. Or there could be a notification if someone drops a lure at a Pokemon, at a Pokestop so you know, go check it out while it's there for those 30 minutes. Like, I think it's a fine line to walk between useful notifications and full-on spam. It's a line that Mitomo just recently crossed. You don't have it anymore, do you? Nope. So Mitomo now... I uninstalled it. They did an update to Mitomo. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. But one of the things they added was they now do push notifications whenever there's... You know those those notifications that puts out like, hey, there's new items in the shop. Or, hey, check out the new Mitomo drop. Like you'd open the app and they'd be there in a news feed. Uh-huh. They now push those as notifications to your phone. So that's a little, they're almost every day. They're like every two to three days. So that might be a little much. But Pokemon Go can do useful notifications about your surroundings opposed to general news that are relevant to what you have done in the game. I feel like that would be a smart thing to do. It's kind of like for those of you who have ever used Foursquare or now Swarm, you can become a mayor of a place by checking in there enough times. And then when you lose your mayorship, it tells you, hey, you lost your mayorship. Here's who took it. You should go get it back. It's that, but for Pokemon. Like, it just kind of makes the most sense, to me at least. But, but yeah, I mean, is there anything... What would get you to play more? Is there anything? Like, mm, that's just once it gets to more regions. Uh, or, if a, or if a friend of mine just has to compete. That's about it. So I guess, I guess this, the, the profile thing would help with that, as potentially could... I guess notification mm. could tie into competitions, too, because it could be like, hey, your friend Bobby Joe 72 it, you know, just completed today's challenge. You should challenge him. You should try and top him or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I guess there just really isn't much. I mean, it's... If I'm not bothering to catch them all in the mainline games, it's, uh-huh. like, not really much they can do to get me to try to capture Unless them. Unless they, in, like, in change the gameplay completely, yeah. And then at that point, it's not Pokemon Go anymore. And I honestly feel like Pokemon Go is, like, really good at what it does and it shouldn't change beyond yeah. that. It's just... It just isn't, I guess, my cup of tea. Sure, that's fair. Oh, there's one more thing I just remembered that I want them to add. 
smartwatch support. I brought it up before, but allow me to elaborate real quick. Um, before Pokemon Go came out, I was like, okay, I guess the Pokemon Go Plus makes sense for someone, but it seems pointless to me. Like, if you're holding your phone in your hand, why would you need the watch? If you're not ho- or the wearable, if you're not holding your phone in your hand, are you even playing? What difference does it make? Now I get it. As someone who has been playing a lot these last few days, now I totally get it. You don't want to be constantly looking at your phone, but you do want to be knowing where all the Pokemon on are. And granted, you can hold your phone down, have it in battery saver, and it'll vibrate when there's a Pokemon. But you're still standing there holding your phone. Like, good luck doing what I did and going to Coffee Bean, getting a drink, trying to open the door, holding your phone, not having a free hand. Like, it just... That's such, like, a first world problem, but, like, the wearable makes so much sense. The thing is, I don't want to wear a giant Pokeball on my wrist. I could clip it to the inside of my pocket, maybe, and it's hidden... I could, like, <laughs> find ways to hide it by, as a, as a 27-year-old adult, I don't know if I want, and those who do, it's fine, I'm not judging, but as me, in my aesthetic, I don't think I want to wear a giant white and blue circle on my, or, or white and red circle on my wrist. A pin. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like a lapel. It's like yeah. a plasticky, shiny lapel that flashes rainbow colors. Which, again, no problem with that, just not my style. So, like, if they made a watch app... Like, what, what I'm envisioning, I would pay money for this thing. If they said, okay, fine, we want you to buy $40 for this piece of plastic. We understand some people won't. Here's an alternative. If you have an Apple Watch, if you have Android Wear, for $10, for $15, you can get a watch app in-app upgrade. Like, in Pokemon Go, you can buy, for 10 or $15 in Pokecoins, a thing that then lets it work with your watch. And then you just use your watch. It, can, it doesn't even have to be a full app. It doesn't have to be, like, fancy notifications or something. Like, it can literally be, like, there's a poke, you know, it flashes on my wrist, like, Psyduck is here, and you, like, see him on the screen, and it's, like, go your phone to do Catch something. It, yeah, like, I would be, or maybe they could just have you flick on your watch, the Pokeball, because it's basically the same action. I, I don't know how they would do it, I just want them to do it, because I will admit, it is kind of annoying to constantly walk around with your phone, which is something I did not at all think would be the case. But already, after only a couple of days, I'm already, like, yeah, I'm ready for a, <laughs> I'm ready for a thing on my wrist. So, Nintendo, the offer stands. I will give you real... Mo- or, sorry, Niantic, the offer stands. I will give you $10, $15 for you to add a smartwatch function, which probably doesn't even cost that much, honestly. But, hmm. yeah. So, those are those are my wants. I mean... And it does seem like a no-brainer at yeah. this point. I know I admit, some of this is a bit pipe-dreamy. Like, I don't think necessarily we're going to see smartwatch support <laughs> ever. I feel like notifications are probably likely user profiles. Maybe your challenge thing seems like a logical move, but who knows if to actually do it. But I think the real takeaway of all of this is that Niantic is going to need to do more with Go and need to do it at a quick rate to prevent people from just being like, all right, I played it for a week, that's cool, and then just never, ever going back to it. They like, should really include shiny Pokemon. They with may. The, with the, that's with another the, thing they could do. With the same rarity, because, I mean, those would definitely be... I could see that easily being like a huge deal for someone like, oh, I found a shiny Pikachu. That's like a one in 8,000 chance. And then with the photo, op, the photo thing where you can show pic- pictures yeah. of it, people are going to go, no, that is actually a really good idea. That's something that's less They don't even have to announce it. They, someone could just find one and yeah. then just let it go viral. Like, well, that's what? How, there are shiny Pokemon out there now? That's what? literally how the game launched. They didn't yeah. announce it. It just went viral that, oh, Australia has it. Oh, New Zealand has it. Oh, America has it. Like, they can totally, that, a stealth launch of shiny Pokemon would definitely give it a boost. And that's definitely an easier thing to do than all these pipe dream ideas. Yeah, so. literally just texture swap. Yeah, they should they should do it. But, but, but yeah, I was going to say, we don't want to have it do the Mitomo thing, because I think the best lesson from Mitomo is that, sure, you can have a meteoric, a meteoric, wow, meteoric rise, but 
You can also just disappear from the face of the earth just as quickly. So that does bring us to Mitomo, <laughs> which is the second app we're talking about this episode. Um, to Nintendo's credit, though, they are making strides with updates. Like I said a little bit ago, uh, they do have an update that just came out. It just took them three months to do it in a time where apps update weekly or monthly. But uh, the update is actually kind of neat. It's been out for a week. It's nothing too substantial, but it has some cool stuff. Like, it got me to kind of jump back in a bit. So what it does is they update the interface. Um, it now has more, like, indications of what you can do and, like, why you can do it. Like, there's uh, the me. Your me now has speech bubbles that give you previews of what people are answering as a way of, like, kind of make you want to click more. Like, it'd be like, oh, uh, angels told us what he's afraid of, or Angel says he's afraid of, dot, 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 and they're like, oh, what's he afraid of? And you press mm. it. Like, it's such a, you know, a gimmicky thing, but it kind of works. And then also when you tap your own me, instead of having it go through, like, oh, if you tap his head, he'll show you questions that people answer, but if you tap his body, you get to answer a question. Now when you tap him, there's literally a menu on the bottom, like a little speech bubble. It's like, do you want to tell us what you're up to? Do you want to answer a question? So there's status updates now that you can do, just generic, like, what's news? Or what is new? Z- New, new plural what's new plural what is yeah you get what i'm saying <laughs> or um or answer questions that they give you there's also a question of the day feature to get people to engage on a daily basis it changes every day it's the question of the week thing just more frequent and now that's its own special blue bubble constantly next to your me like there's little things like that one uh it supports whatsapp which is huge in international markets and mitomo just rolled out in like switzerland mexico latin america a bunch of places um on top of that though one thing that's actually kind of cool in japan only so far star accounts they're gonna have celebrities make their way into your mitomo and share their weird answers to weird questions i'm assuming it's celebrities of interest i'm hoping it's not like the japanese kim kardashian answering these questions but either way it's kind of cool that they're like trying new things to get people to actually get back in and get engaged i mean it works for social works for social networks like twitter saw itself blow up after celebrities started joining instagram got a big boost from seeing what celebrities are up to snapchat got popular as more than just like a teen fake sexting app because oh hey now celebrities are showing me behind the scenes of their lives like the the genders are showing me what they're doing today i gotta see that like that sort of thing like that contributes a lot to social network rising so if mitomo's doing it and it could potentially help although it's a little more confined so maybe not but, but yeah, I did find myself actually looking more at it. The problem is, and this is something Nintendo can't fix because it's just the design of the app, there's not as many people on there. I'd say maybe half of the people that were there around launch week are not are still there. A bunch of other people, you included. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> they're not there anymore. So it's feeding me answers you put in in April. Wow. Like, it'll be like, new answer for someone I know, new answer for someone I know. What is, what is Angel's fa- favorite color? Oh, orange. And I look at the data, and it's like, March 31st. And I'm like, oh, that's from launch night. It's telling me now, from launch night. So that kind of that kind of drags it down. But it kind of it does beg the question, of like, everything I just rattled off to, is that enough to get you to re-download it? Nope. That's what I thought. And I think that's what Nintendo's fearing is... Um, I mean, it's not even its fault entirely. It's just more... Um, when you don't have infinite, or I guess I'd say more than 16 gigs of memory, which in reality is more like 12. Yeah. Um, you have to be a lot more picky with what apps you have, and if you don't, and if you're not using something after like a week or two, then you definitely have to delete it, because there are more things you could use your phone for. And that was just right. kind of my case, like, like Pokemon Go. Mm, that one might be going out the door soon, but um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just space. Like, if I had, like, a 120-whatever gig, 128 gig iPhone, yep. I'd probably just leave it there and maybe check up on it, like, once a month or something. But because I don't have that luxury, I'm just like, oh, I don't use it. I'd rather download Hearthstone again so I could delete it again because that game, your takes, addiction. Up, cause that game takes up way too much Cause memory. Your addiction. Like, I haven't had it on my phone for, like, a couple of weeks just because there's just no room. Like, I need to take pictures. I have other things I need to... Use my phone I for. feel like you have given me a lot of crap over long period of time about how many apps I have. Like, I was like, why do you have all those? You never play this. Now you know. 128 gigs. You don't need to delete things. Yeah. Living that 128 life. It's great. But, uh, but yeah, the, the reason I And then it also seems cluttered. I also just like having... Oh, yeah. Like, I don't like apps spilling over to have to have them a certain way. Well, what's funny about that is I don't even like organize my... They're organized mostly by when they were downloaded because oh, I'm really weird. There, there are two rows of social media and there's a Nintendo row and everything else is just download. When iOS 10 comes out, I am reorganizing it all because you can finally hide default apps. Like you can hide stocks, you can hide tips, you can hide things you aren't going to use. So once I do that, I might customize it because right now, if you open my iPhone, the first screen is literally the like apple screen in all the screen in all the like promo images like it's just what they give you by default so i'm looking forward to one day redoing it but that's in the future but the reason i asked you about mitomo is because nintendo wants people like you to tell them why they you aren't actually downloading it because apparently unlike most of what nintendo does they actually are using player feedback to shape how mitomo is going to evolve which is why i brought this up primarily today because i find that kind of interesting it's it's something nintendo's never really done before but uh the producer of the game a guy named yoshio sakamoto is he's been at nintendo for a very long time and he was saying in an interview with the creator of earthbound who name whose name i'm forgetting they did an interview for uh the mitomo website it's basically iwata asks but without iwata it's like the successor and it's like a sit-down chat about mitomo and he was saying in this interview that Nintendo never normally gets feedback, but this time they're going to. Um, it's it's a new approach for them. It stems from the fact that if you're on a smartphone where things are continually updated, you're expected to kind of guide the updates into what people want from them. Like he was saying in the interview that um, before Mutomo development began, Iwata always used to told him to not be too sensitive to what users wanted and that they shouldn't be monitoring research uh, and give exact and give users exactly what they want. They should instead give users it kind of steve jobs approach people don't know what they want we'll show them what they want but then with apps it's totally different because the iteration so fast people can just delete it they're not actually spending money that in the world of smartphones now you have to look carefully at customer reactions and then continually change things based on those reactions and the and the fact is uh the fact that sakamoto is saying this is significant because he's been with nintendo forever like he has super good insight into this this is the guy and this kind of blew my mind Mitomo's main producer, Sakamoto, is also the guy who's behind Metroid, WarioWare, and Rhythm Heaven. It's the same producer. He produced entries in all of those series. Metroid was more recent. Originally, it was someone else. Um, WarioWare and Rhythm Heaven are all him. So, mm-hmm. you, Mr. Rhythm Heaven fan, now have a direct tie-in with, uh, with Mitomo, and that's, that's from the same dude. He also did Tomodachi Life, as I'm sure is a surprise to no one. What? Right? But, um... But yeah, the it's just interesting to me that Nintendo's taking this approach, and it kind of explains why Mitomo might have had the slower than expected rollout of features versus, like, say, Pokemon Go, which 
granted, nothing's rolled out yet, but they've already mapped out some of their plans with, like, you know, new Pokemon, trading, etc. And I think it's just the fact that Nintendo's not used to iterating based on feedback, and they're certainly not used to iterating at a fast pace based on feedback. So, if Sakamoto is saying that, like, hey, we have to, like, actually change how we develop things based on this new paradigm of how we update things, then, yeah, Nintendo's going to be a little slow at the game. Nintendo's more of a learning process than anything else. And, I mean, they do have DNA. That's the part the mobile partners they're working with. But apparently they didn't even consult DNA on this. He was saying DNA was used for things like in-app pricing strategies, and they got, you know, infrastructure and that sort of stuff. He never actually said rapid iteration. Like, he made it sound like rapid iteration is something Nintendo themselves had to learn, and DNA... Like, there are separate parts of the conversation completely, so you'd think he'd be like, DNA was helping us if they were, so the fact that they're not makes me think, because he's admitting a fault here, so it makes me think Nintendo's going solo on that. Um, and he did cryptically say at the, interview, the end of the interview that there are a lot of things, quite a lot of things, that will be done in the future. So maybe there's more coming to Mitomo. I mean, uh, Tatsumi Kimishima, Nintendo's global president, also said a similar thing during the company's annual shareholder meeting, which happened like a week ago. Um, not a lot of news in it, but he did say that uh, they're trying to focus on keeping the app's retention rate up, talking to Tomo, of course, and admitted that there are, quote, some points we need to improve. So it seems like everyone at Nintendo's like, huh, that was weird. <laughs> Maybe we should learn from this with Mitomo. So it's, it's, it's a good sign that something's happening, and it all points to there being some sort of second stab down the road. And, like, it could be too little too late. I mean, I don't know what they could do that would get you back on board, for mm, example. Probably nothing. Exactly. But it wouldn't be the first app that does a 2.0 upgrade, like, complete refresh. Other apps have done that successfully before. I mean, even on Badger Arcade, like, I, I did revisit that recently because of the Monster Hunter badges. But before that, I hadn't touched it since, I don't know, um, it was definitely before... It was around the time Splatoon came out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a long time. No. 14 months. <laughs> Has it been off for that long? Splatoon's been out for 14 months. Mm-hmm. I know that because of news we're discussing later. Oh. Well, yeah, it's just been a while, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just really hard. I'm doing yeah, especially because I just got... I literally just... um, I only logged into Badger Arcade just to get the very specific badges I wanted. Right. I got the Little Cockatoo. I got the, the Rhythm Heaven ones. I got some... Monster Hunter ones, and then after that, like, that was it. Like, I just didn't care. And I guess it's... Mitomo's yeah. the same problem. So well, or, or even Pokemon Go, it's the same thing. Right. I want my chat taught, no chat taught. All right, I guess I can wait. You have very specific wants out of your games. <laughs> I know what I like. You're not in for the experience, I mean, you're in for the thing in the experience. Well, I mean, can you really... No, I, mean, I can't blame you. I mean, I can't... I mean, it's, like, not a completely new experience. I mean, I know exactly what it is. It's just... I know what yeah. I want from it. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that's fair, but... Like I said, if there was, like, a mystery to it, like, if they just didn't tell you straight up what Pokemon they were in, they just said, like, all right, there's just these Pokemon from... I don't know, they could just say, like... See, that, that's weird, because most people are okay with just, like, which of these Pokemon will I see, but you're so honed in on, like, I want this one, this one, and this one, I that think, you don't even care what... I, I, 150 is a lot to choose from, normally. Yeah, but I guess... I don't know. Yeah. You just know what you want. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Well, I guess once you've played, like, all the Pokemon games, you get to know all the Pokemon pretty well. You just know which ones yeah. you like and you don't like. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're creating new Pokemon for this, so it's literally... Which is probably a good thing, because if they did, that'd be weird. Yeah. They'd, like, fracture the franchise. I guess it's, like, the only downside, I guess, I could see. Right, right. But, you know, I think I think there's a chance, for some people at least, that Mitomo, a 2.0 or a major update, can actually help. 
But even if not, I think just the fact that they're acknowledging problems and learning to iterate and that sort of stuff, if you combine, like, whatever Mitomo becomes with Pokemon Go, with Fire, the Fire Emblem app, with the Animal Crossing app, Nintendo has a pretty decent mobile portfolio, and I assume they're learning lessons from each one as they go. So ideally, Animal Crossing wouldn't have these retention issues. Fire Emblem wouldn't have these retention issues. Hopefully it means that, like, Mitomo fumble aside... Nintendo's got a pretty solid mobile future. And there's also, like, two more apps that they haven't even announced that should be out by next March. So, kind of gives me hope that Nintendo's actually doing mobile right. I mean, granted, Pokemon's barely theirs. It's really Niantic and the Pokemon company. But it seems like they're moving in the right direction. It was a good fit. Yeah, it it does. I feel like Rhythm Heaven would also be a really good fit. But I don't don't really see how that game definitely looks more like a finite experience instead of, like, something they could keep extending forever. Yeah, and it seems like all of these are trying to turn to almost services. It's yeah. a whole game of services thing that they did with Splatoon. Like, I don't see how they could do that with Rhythm Heaven unless they like, all right, you can only have eight levels right now. We'll slowly release them later or something like it. that. They make it free. They make it free with a, up to a first or second remix, and then they would release packs every couple months or every month for a while that includes yeah. two more remixes. That's the only way they can do it. Or they get really innovative and we just aren't thinking of it. That's true. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like you kind of brought the, you mean or yeah, you kind of brought stuff like the games as services thing. Like Nintendo was honing in on that with the Wii U lately. We talked about this all the time back when it was happening. At first, Mario Maker, Splatoon, even Smash Bros. Now it's like they need to do that at the next level for mobile, all in order to get people to come back to the consoles and then go and buy into those games as services so it's it's this weird circle that they're sending people through because the whole point of all these mobile apps is get people to go to the consoles and play the full experiences so mitomos get you interested in mii's uh pokemon go obviously pokemon fire emblem fire i mean i feel like they still need a proper miiverse app yes i know they're never gonna do it yeah yeah the mobile site's good enough that's the thing like you what they really need is a my nintendo app that combines miiverse your My Nintendo status, your Me from Mitomo. They need some sort of unifying thing. See, that could be Mitomo 2.0. He said there's stuff coming in the future. They know there's things to improve. How you boost retention, you turn Mitomo into just a part of a general Nintendo app. Which is something that I think we were saying they should do from the start before they even like called Mitomo Mitomo, and it was just that app with your Me that they were teasing for like two years. Yeah. But but yeah. The the one thing I don't think Nintendo's gonna do on mobile. All these, we're saying all these things they could do, should do. The one thing I don't think they're going to do is a physical controller for smartphones. There are these reports that that's what they're doing, and I think people are misinterpreting them. So in the same shareholder meeting as Kimishima's comment about you know retention rates for Mitomo, someone asked Nintendo if they'd consider making a physical controller for proper action games on mobile devices because you can't really play a proper action game on and mobile And you probably devices. shouldn't. And you probably shouldn't because there's no good control scheme. And then uh, Shinya Takahashi, who's a lesser-known Nintendo executive that basically runs all their game stuff, from my understanding, like their entire games division, he responded in a way that led many media outlets to just assume Nintendo is considering such a device. Uh, He basically said the opposite, though. So in the media's defense, he did start his point by saying that physical controllers for smart smart devices exist, and that, yes, everyone he did finish his sentence with Quote, it is possible we may also develop something new ourselves. So they're like, okay, maybe they're making a controller for a smartphone. However, if you read the very next sentence in the exact same paragraph, which I don't think the media did, he went on to say, on the other hand, 
I believe Nintendo's way of thinking is to look at whether action games are really not impossible without a physical controller to create, or that's in parentheses, without a physical controller, whether they're not impossible to create and how we can make it happen to create such a game. Translation, sure, we can make a controller, but we'd rather use what the device gives us and just do it that way. Like, he's, he's not going to say no to a shareholder. Like, if a shareholder says, hey, I have an idea, you don't tell that shareholder, you're dumb, we're not doing that. No. Like, because then he might sell his shares. That looks bad. You're treating your shareholders poorly. They sort of run your company. So instead, he kind of went like, eh, I guess we could do that, or check out this alternative we're considering. All the media latched on to his, eh, maybe, and kind of ignored his, no, 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 but what about this? So, like, I know the media was doing it for clicks, but this is how false information and rumors and whatnot about Nintendo gets started is when the media blows in the out proportion. He literally said, we could, on the other hand, we'd rather do this. That's, I mean, that's like if the if, if Miyamoto said in an interview, yeah, I can make a first-person shooter, you should not the next day be seeing headlines that say, like, Miyamoto's making first-person shooter. Like, it doesn't work like but that. But he used the words first-person shooter. And the word, and the word make, yeah. Yeah, in a sentence. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there since we're talking mobile stuff anyway. And we have been for, like, practically an hour now. I feel like since this came up in the last week, like, I'm not saying, like, maybe I'm somehow misinterpreting it. That's possible. But it's just, like, that doesn't seem like what it's saying at all. So, so come on, media. Shape up. Get it together. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for mobile device news. Like, if you look at the fact that we spent an hour talking about it, you kind of realize that's becoming a really significant part of Nintendo's business, like smartphone apps and that sort of thing. But I think their bread and butter will and always is and always will be um, their own platforms. I mean, ultimately, mobiles do get people back to their platforms, which brings us to all three of them. We have news about 3DS stuff, Wii U stuff, and NX stuff. So to start, the 3DS, or to be more specific, uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon for the 3DS. Back to Pokemon. Back to Pokemon. It's the through line of this whole episode. Um, So Pokemon Company has been trickling out new Pokemon pretty steadier than I thought they would. They're doing, like, batches every two weeks it feels like and while i don't think we have any reason to talk about every single batch every episode i did notice a trend with the latest batch combined with the earlier batches that kind of i wanted to touch on and that's that they're going back to actual animal inspirations no more keychains no more icicles no more uh soft serve ice cream cones it's like actual things that resemble so far i mean it was kind of the same thing with X and Y. They didn't really reveal the outlandish ones until later. That's true. And X but... and Y did have a lot of regular animals. So did Black and White. They all kind of did. Just Do have... they? Am I just misremembering? Am I just I... remembering? Am I? Are the are the outliers sticking out because they're outliers? I think so. Especially uh-huh. because we're only like ten Pokemon in or so. True. But like I like all these like... new ones. A I know. Lot. I know, and that's fine. Like they're yeah. all. I mean, they're all good Pokemon, but. Yeah, I think it's a... I, I think it's way too soon to assume that they're going back to something. Maybe the part just revealing. Um, right. I mean, I mean, there's some good ones in there. There's and for like... the most part, it looks like they're only revealing things that um early you encounter in. early yeah. on. I mean, with the exception of Drampa, he looks like something you oh, encounter later. Amazing. Well, for for those who somehow didn't see these, there are some good ones in this new crop. You got a square looking bug named Charger Bug who evolves into Vikavolt, which is a beetle. They're both Grubbins evolutions. You got a Hedgehog that looks like Sonic and Pikachu's love child called, um, I don't even know how to say his name. It's like complete, Toga Demaru. I don't even know, what, what's that? No, they didn't even bother translating yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> they're really trying to make him the new Pikachu. 
there's the fish with the crazy lips and teeth named uh, Bruxish. But when I first, I swear, when I first read it, around the same time the, that Brexit happened in the UK, and I was like, wait, the Pokemon's name is Brexit? And then I realized, oh, no, 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 it's Bruxish. Um, and there's that mosquito thing named Cutie Fly. There's a salamander bandit named Salandit, because, like, what else would you call it? And then there's, of course, the Grandaya of the Mall, quite literally, which is a, like, he's a dragon that looks like a generic, stereotypical Japanese grandfather or a cousin of Puff the Magic Dragon or maybe even a reggae artist. Take your pick. They all kind of fit, and his name is Grandpa, and he is amazing. And my team will just be all him. I don't need any other Pokemon. I'm just going to use Grandpa's. Forever. Also, his name is great. Dragon it, it, it is a good name. It is a good name. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean I, to your point, actually, now that I think about it, you're right. There are some Pokemon that already aren't fanging the mold. I mean, they showed off three different forms of Zygarde that look nothing like creatures, like, like animals. They have uh, Tapu Koko, that, like, guardian Pokemon. Who, by the way, is that the first Pokemon that has two words for a name? It's not Merge. There's a space. It's Tapu Space Coco. Um, that sounds right. That's interesting. That, that, that Pokemon interesting does, is the wrong word, but that... I mean, that Pokemon's not a man-made object, but it does look kind of weird. Even, like... Yeah. yeah. It, it's some sort of, like, guardian warrior thing. But, yeah, it's... I don't think I've ever seen a Pokemon with a space in its name. Have we reached the point where they're now two-word two names? Well, I mean, it's... I mean, it makes sense. Real it's probably just whatever they're cool. referencing it. I mean, some of the Pokemon are definitely Yeah, I don't know what that's a reference to either. But... But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, for the most part... Maybe it's just the designs. I don't know. I, I like this patch. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, it's always a good sign when the first few that they revealed are, yeah, and guess in your eyes, all winners. Well, Grandpa's the clear winner of every generation ever, except maybe for Litten. That's the same generation. I know, but the names oh, are both I see. good. Yeah. Oh, but there's also Salandit, which is just like such a dumb name because it's so literal. It's a Salamander Bandit. Salandit. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is. I'm gonna have to make some tough choices in my. Pokemon life. You actually like the fish? The fish I just find really funny. No. <laughs> like, it, it's like... I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I kind of did. It has the teeth and the lips, but, like, I don't know how to, like... If, if, if you've never seen this fish, it's like, it looks like it's a carnival on the back, a piranha in the front, but then it has the lips of, like... I don't even know. I mean, so far... It's strange. I mean, I guess all I got from these reveals was, like, still no... I guess kind of like you. I guess you found your chat hot essentially with your grandpa, but I guess I'm. I might just be buying into the grandpa hype. I could be over him in a month. But I guess so far, like all the Pokemon are so like, oh, they look cool, but nothing has like made me go like, yep, I want this game. Yet. If anything, um, I just found interesting just some of the things that came with the Pokemon reveals. Like, oh, Salander can poison all types of Pokemon. That's kind of a big deal. Like, no more. Yeah. Like those Skarmory that just like to tank everything and just like stall out. Like you can poison them now. Yeah, I was, and I, is that and is that going to be only Salander? Is that going to stretch out to other Pokemon or? No, it's interesting. And I'm wondering, like Salander for that ability to be good, I feel like he'd have to be a really beefy Pokemon. So I'm wondering what his evolutions will look like. Mm-hmm. And then that Warrior Pokemon has an ability. You mean Tapu Space Coco? Yeah, um, it's like an electric field or something. It didn't really say exactly what it does, but. I don't know. I'm still hoping there are more game-changing abilities like this. Because, I mean, it all it takes is a few moves to really change the metagame, and it definitely right. needed some shaking. So yeah, cool. I, I was going to say that regardless of what you think of the Pokemon designs, whether you're enamored with them like me or indifferent like you, like, one thing i got to give them crap for is some of the type combinations are pretty unusual. Yeah, it's like, kind of cool. Like, like Poison Fire is the first of its type? Yeah, or, like, there's, um... What else was there? There's, like, a... I think, um... 
Cutie Fly was Electric Fairy, which I don't know if they've done that before. Have they done that before? I well, Fairy's relatively new, so they haven't done a lot yeah, of Yeah, right, or like... Or like um, I mean, they haven't even done Normal Dragon, which is what Drampaw is. Right, and then Bruxish is Water Psychic, which I feel like, if that does exist, not very many Pokemon have that combo. Nope. Like, it's kind of cool. And these are all very early in the game, so it's cool that they're getting crazy, like, up front instead of, like, here are the basics, like they did in X and Y, and then only later is it like, okay, now maybe we'll get a little... Yeah, X and Y did add a new type, so I'm wondering if this one will add a new one as well, or just experiment further with Fairy. Well, there's some rumors they're doing a lot of switch-ups with this one. Like, this is from some Chinese... I mean, we're still missing a few EVs that I know a lot of people will want. Right, right. But, but yeah, there's these rumors from China. I don't know if they're true, so we're not going to, like, talk about them too much, but if true... They might be ditching the gym system as we know it. It might be you go island to island instead. Um, there's all sorts of weird. They might be changing up how bad, like some battle mechanics and stuff. Like it's, it seems like they're running a little wild in terms of creativity with this one, opposed to like trying to do back to the basics like X and Y or like anything like that. So, hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. It 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 no makes evil for organization. It's just a singular villain because it's possible. Yeah. yeah, why not? I mean, or maybe not even that. Maybe the maybe the evil force. Is global warming? Is climate change? Maybe all this is a commentary on our current society and how we are ignoring climate change in some parts of the world. Mm. And then the issue is maybe the islands get flooded. Now I'm getting really weird, but but like anything's fair game. It feels like like once you have a fish with giant lips and teeth that's water psychic, anything can happen. So just saying. Um, but yeah, I guess the reaction to Sun and Moon's new Pokemon is a bit more mixed than I anticipated. But I think there's one thing the two of us can agree on, and we're kind of switching gears here, and that's the next topic, which is that it kind of sucks that Splatfests are ending so fast. Now, not necessarily if we plan or not, just the concept of their ending support of Splatoon after 14 months, when they don't have any other games the rest of the year. Why would they end support? Well, I mean, I guess I sympathize for those that, that's I mean. that's that are yeah. that still play it. No, it, su- it sucks for people who are like, oh, Splatoon will carry me through this, like carry me through the storm. I can use Splatoon as my source of water during the drought. Not really, because they announced um, that, for, for those who didn't hear, they announced that the next Splatfest, which is taking place July 22nd through 24th, while we're at Comic-Con, will be the game's last Splatfest. Oh, so even and if I only, wanted to, I can't participate. I know. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, I'm Comic-Con. kind of annoyed about that, too. But it's only 14 months after launch. Like, why? I mean, <laughs> unless they wanted to... Carried over to the NX, but even then, you, you wouldn't, you would never really have a reason to stop the Splatfest if that were the case. Well, no, I could see. Why or I guess to get people to stop buying the game, because they're like, oh, no more Splatfest, no more support. I guess I should just wait then. No, I think I, I could see. Yeah, I think there's a. Well, I mean, if you're still getting people still buying the game up until they announce the NX version, they're going to be like, I just bought the game. Yes, that's what I was going to say. So I, think... so I think by cutting support now with the Splat, I mean the Splatfest feel kind of like. It almost feels like a bigger deal that they're cutting off the Splatfest than they did with, like, the weapons. Because that just... That's like, yeah, That's why I, I like, sympathize with yeah. these people. Because I've only done maybe four Splatfests. Maybe five. And they are fun. I just haven't I think, done many. I don't even think I did but the Transformers one, one, surprisingly. Kinda, really? Yeah. I even did that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I lost interest really fast. I mean, I I really like Splatoon. I lost interest on the Splatfest, I should say. Sure. But, um... I, and I didn't really hope that most of the time we were always out when Splatfest were happening. Yeah, they always did them on it, weekends when yeah, we it, had like social activities. Outings, yeah. Like I was in Vegas for like two of the Splatfests, like back to back, and I'm yeah, like, right. and I was like, really? Like, I think at that point where like I just couldn't make time for the Splatfest, I just kind of gave up on them. Yeah, but I mean, like, Nintendo says normal Splatoon Online is gonna keep going, 
And like for those who want the Splatfest musical performance, um, well, you got the, and to see the Plaza Go Neon, they yeah, Kelly Marie's Amiibo, uh, Amiibo are out, so you could do that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they came out right before the final Splatfest, but like, it is weird to see them pull the plug. I mean, I think your theory is right. It must be, it must be because they don't want people to be over Splatoon. Because like, if I was playing the Wii U version of Splatoon up until they announced Splatoon Two or the Splatoon and export, I might be like. I got my fill. I just did Splatfest last week. Why would I buy in? You need you need to take something away in order to let the hype generate when the sequel's announced in order to turn that hype into sales. As awful as that sounds. Like, continuing... So you don't see Call of Duty continue to do special events up through the launch of the next Call of Duty. Like, they, if they even do them at all, I don't even know, but they presumably stop before. So it kind of makes sense. But it also makes me think that Splatoon 2 or Splatoon NX, whatever it may be, be it a port or a sequel, that is probably coming sooner rather than later to cutting off support now or alternatively they're so heavily like the development is so like intense that they can't spare what little resources are needed to throw together a texture pack for a shirt to say if you like spongebob or patrick or whatever so whatever it is something's going on with splatoon that probably bodes well for a release in the near sooner rather than later in the future but i don't know i mean tune in town's credit they're going pretty big with this final splat fest like fans are being told to pick Callie or Marie, which is a fitting final Splatfest. Uh, and they're promoting it or tying it in with a lot of stuff. There's new Mitomo items. There's an art contest on the uh, Art Academy Miiverse community. There's special merchandise just for the Splatfest in Japan, where obviously Splatoon is huge. And for the first time, people actually get a vote on what stages are going to be used in the Splatfest. Because, you know, you only get two stages the whole time. Or three. And... um yeah, they, they sent out an email to everyone. It's like, pick your stages. You guys get to choose. It's the final one. So it's kind of cool. And then it's going to be worldwide. Each region will fight within its own region. But then all the stats will be pooled over Comic-Con, and they will announce it. Hmm. So, like, it does kind of suck. And I admittedly only did a few Splatfests, like I said. But I would like to do this last one. And now I can't, because it's during Comic-Con. Yeah, like, even though I skipped a ton of them, I... I would have done just for the sake of it. Yeah, so. like for just to be like, I did it, but well, now we I guess can't. I have to take my... Oh, wait. Do we even have Wi-Fi? No, no we don't have Wi-Fi at the hotel. What's weird is... Oh, no, there is Wi-Fi, but it's probably really slow. But what's weird is, like, Nintendo is at Comic-Con. Nintendo knows when Comic-Con is. Why would they schedule it? I get... I Obviously, they're not going to plan their whole worldwide calendar around a expo that only NOAs. Yeah, but they could have put the Splatfest a week later. They could have. Or they earlier. Totally they totally could have. It's really, Or even three days later, and they would have been in the clear. And that would have been before you fly off to Japan, so it would be perfect. But I it has know. to be on a weekend. They're always, they're always on a That's weekend. That's true. So yeah, the week they should have done it next weekend. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. But this uh, this talk of the next platoon. Why am I saying platoon? This talk of the next platoon or a porous platoon or whatever. We 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 said NX in there. We said the we said the letters NX, and whatever platoon sequel or port ends up on, it's going to be NX, and that brings us to NX news. See that transition? I had to literally connect those dots. They're right. Yeah, it's a, it's not my strongest. But um, there's this analyst firm. This is actually kind of interesting. So there's this analyst firm named DFC. They're a legit firm that knows things. And they made a pretty compelling argument about why the NX may actually end up targeting the kids' market more than we saw with the Wii U or other Nintendo systems. Now, this seems more theory-based than based on inside information or fact, but... It's kind of a really true point. It kind of makes a ton of sense. I'm going to paraphrase it a bit, but basically what they're saying 
is that there are no systems anymore that cater to kids 12 and under. Like, if you look at gaming in the 80s, if you look at gaming in the 90s, there, all the, everything was catering to kids specifically. But as kids grew up, consoles grew up with them, obviously. So what DFC is pointing out is that, you know, there's Xbox One, there's PS4, and those are only really targeting either older gamers or kids who are aspiring to play the games that older gamers play. If you're a parent, if you're a really young kid, you don't really have anything directly aimed at you. Like, the Wii U kind of does, but it also is kind of catering to an older audience. So you're in this weird half-step thing where neither audience is totally happy, and then obviously it didn't do particularly well. So there isn't really anything there for, like, the 12 and under market. So what DSC is saying is that if Nintendo doubles down on the kids' market instead of first marketing NX as, like, a mature system like they did with the Wii U, then potentially the NX will have this new blue ocean of kids, which used to be a super red ocean of kids when kids actually matter to the industry more. It's like as the industry matured, they forgot there's another generation below it. Who made them? Yeah, exactly. So when I first... That's the that's the theory in a nutshell. When I first read it, like immediately I was kind of bummed because it's like, oh, no, Nintendo's only going to care kids. Where does that leave me? I'm 27. Like, what... You're 26. You're about to be 27. You're in the same boat. It's just like, what, what, what are we doing? Don't group me with you. Oh, I'm grouping you. I'm grouping you. But, uh, yeah, it's like, what do we do? And then I read it a second time to make sure I, like, made, you know, just make sure I kind of got what they were saying. And I thought about it a bit, and I realized if Nintendo goes this route, it's perfectly fine. It doesn't harm us in any way because it doesn't mean we're only seeing kids' content. It means they're shifting it in that direction. Now, what made me realize this is two things. One... DFC themselves called the 3DS a kid-friendly system. They cite it as an example of one of the few platforms that is kid-oriented right now. 3DS launched not as a kid system. 3DS has games as, that are not kids-only. So I think when they keep saying kid-targeting, what they actually mean is kid-friendly, family-friendly, casual-friendly, not kid-only, which is a very different thing. Maybe the marketing will tie in towards kids. Like 3DS right now, the whole Play Nintendo Tour, the There's No Play Like It commercials, all that. Definitely is aiming at kids, but it's not like we're seeing it with our 3DS is like, oh man, there's only a game that teaches me how to count. Like, there are legit games for legitimate fans of any age. So, if that's the case, I think it's not as much concern. And to kind of prove that point, you look at Zelda Breath of the Wild, not kiddie at all, not kid oriented at all, not kid focused at all. Kids can play it, sure, it's an open sandbox, but it's for anyone. I played it, I liked it, people have played it, people like it. It's a normal game for a normal audience it just could be on a system where a parent can feel comfortable going i will get that for young timothy or whatever we haven't referenced timothy our friend hypothetical child timothy in like two years well, i'm very happy i was able to bring there hasn't it back. been any lego star wars or lego whatever i know it's funny because in the dfc report they actually were saying like there's only a few examples of games that even market towards kids or appeal to kids or made for kids and that's lego and that's the toy to life properties but even then nintendo see further proof that i think we're talking kid or kid friendly versus kid oriented amiibo are certainly kid friendly but the majority of people that buy amiibo are actually older according to nintendo themselves they're our age collectors so if nintendo just kind of takes that idea and runs with it and just goes hey let's appeal to the mitomo or the sorry the amiibo crowd let's appeal to the crowd that's buying 3ds's and do that with nx and maybe have an ad campaign that's a little more kid oriented Sure, whatever. If we're still getting good games, that's fine. And this does kind of all line up with a lot of other things we've heard about in X over the years. Emily Rogers pointed out on Twitter, few, I think the same day as the report came out, that back in 2014, Iwata made a very specific comment 
about how Nintendo should go after the kids' market more. He's saying where they went wrong with Wii U is they didn't go after kids enough. And then here we are two years later, and DFC's like, you know what makes sense if Nintendo went after kids? And then we see Nintendo doing a whole ad campaign with the 3DS and 2DS at kids. And there's all these spec, you know, all these reports and stuff. And now on top of that, you've got Nintendo's many IP expansion projects they're doing, where you see them making more merchandise, which of course includes toys, which are kid-friendly. Or they have theme park attractions. Kids go to those, but so do adults. Or they have the Yogurtland partnership, which came out of nowhere. Where for like the next two months, you could go to Yogurtland. There are ten different barely related to Mario, Mario flavors. But they all come with Mario Dragon Dragonberry's pretty... Okay, Dragonberry counts, but Luigi's Rocky Road. I'm sorry, Luigi has never been on a Rocky Road. Unless you counted Mario Kart with the um, Choco Choco Mountain. In which case, maybe. But then it should have been Choco Choco Mountain Road. So, Yogurtland, you dropped the ball, but I'm still going to enjoy your yogurt. We're probably going right after to record this, actually. <laughs> so, that's how you do it. You complain to a company and then hand over your money anyway so they don't change. But, uh, yeah, my point is, like, all that stuff they're doing with the IP initiatives, kid-friendly, not kid-oriented. Or, not, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing there where, like, that's kiddie, but it all plays well to kids. So, if the NX does that... I think that makes 100% sense. I, I would be cool with that. Like, when the re- report first came out, I was really like, oh, no, this is the end for me. But no, it, it I don't see a problem with it. Like, with that, if, let's say the NX came out, and the ads were like a bunch of eight-year-olds at a birthday party playing NX, would it actually turn you off to the system? Or would it have to, or would you be able to overlook it? Uh, I don't know. That's a tricky one. The reason I ask is because... I feel like I would just have to say it. I'd probably, okay, over, sure. I'd probably overlook it at first. I right. mean... I don't know, even, um, say, like, the first few consoles, like, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, um, PlayStation were kid-oriented. Um, those games, I mean, many people, even as adults, like, still enjoy yeah. them tremendously, so I don't, like, that shouldn't really be a downside. See, the, re- the reason I asked you that specifically is because when we were growing up and GameCube was the kiddie system, that actually shaped what, <laughs> like, among, like, 12-year-olds, that mattered for some reason. Like, people are like, I'm not, I'm not buying that, that's, that's kiddie. Like, because they want to be cool, mature kids. But I feel like we've gotten past that hurdle. Because, like, I mean, games are on every... But, no, I mean, no, no, I still no. hear little kids... Say, they still say that? Yeah, they still kind of say, like, oh, that's for kids. Or that's for little kids. Because that's weird. Cause they, like, still like, they still like to play so their, their, their Grand Theft Autos and their Mortal Kombat, even but though they're, like, 10. Or but nine. what about kid? But, like, Minecraft, for example. That's an art style that when we were kids, when we were in the GameCube era, people were like, that looks kitty. Why is it all, like, dumb blocks? I play Grand Theft Auto where there's guns. Like, I feel like... Oh yeah, Grand Mi- the, like Minecraft. Ex- like yeah, Mi- Minecraft's an exception. I guess. Same with uh, Angry Birds. If mm-hmm. you think about it, like I, I don't know if it's the mobile onset or the fact that kids are shown games their whole life of all different types right from the start. But like, I feel like, I feel like the kitty thing. I mean, you you know, kids bury me. You work at school, but I feel like the kitty thing is less of an issue than it was when we were kids. Yeah. So maybe maybe Nintendo finally they can <laughs> have that kitty reputation. And it wouldn't matter. Like this could this could be it finally come home to roost but it literally just depends on what identity whatever we're talking about gets early on uh-huh. i mean like nintendo doesn't really have a they don't have too much to say they, they, they don't have a kitty perception they don't really have a kitty reputation from the few kids that like, i've talked to that like bring that up right so like i feel like they don't really have anything to worry about but i, I mean, like to think they got past kitty because mario is basically the although like gaming now although like to a certain extent like i do hear um a few fifth graders kind of start to say that Pokemon is kind of kitty. So, 
Uh, so that probably doesn't change. They'll probably get back really into it like when they're in college or... Or they found Pokemon Go and were like, oh my god. Yeah, or, they, or just never yeah. stop. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I feel like Nintendo... Nintendo's a unique place in that when we were growing up, it wasn't... It was established for sure, but it wasn't like cross-generational in the way... It was. I should back up. When we were younger, Mario was like, oh yeah, he's been around for like 15 years, but it wasn't like... He's Mickey Mouse now. I don't see kids being like, Mickey's so kid. They might just be like, I'm not into it, but they don't like... I feel like like being a Disney fan, you're not bashed for it regardless of your age. Yeah. Like Disney Channel does... You almost see Disney fans in general just being older people. Yeah, know. it's very... Disney and Nintendo feel are like the like average, literally the same thing. I feel thing. like the average Disney Nintendo fan is like in their mid, late 20s. Or yeah, something. It's, it's, it's interesting how similar... Especially the most like hardcore, the hardcore that you could think of is yeah. definitely like mid, late 20s. It's cri- If you stop and think about it, if Disney were to acquire Nintendo, it would make the most sense of like anything. Because Disney Nintendo is video game Disney and Disney is every other media Nintendo. Like, it's, they are basically the same in terms of how they're treated by the public. Everyone recognizes their characters. Everyone knows who they are. They have a, a, they have bursts of success with certain characters in certain situations. Pokemon Go. Uh, there's things that don't do as well, but they keep plowing through. The Mickey cartoons, you know, they did a revival on that. People liked it, but it's not like Mickey became, like, the superstar again out of nowhere. Like, he's always just, oh, it's Mickey Mouse. Like, that, you could argue that's, like, what Mario Sunshine or, like, some of the lesser Mario games were like in terms of attention. Like, they are very one-to-one. It's kind of... You could probably do a whole analysis, for like, like, a whole, like, research paper if we were in college on, like, how Nintendo and Disney basically are the same. <laughs> but, but yeah, and, like, Disney, I don't see any kid ever, like, nah, that's so kiddie. Like, even Disney Channel, with its ridiculous kid-oriented sitcoms, like, I when we were growing up, I never heard someone go... You watch that so Raven, that's stupid. It's either like, oh, okay, you watch it, or oh, okay, you don't. Like no one judged it. So if Nintendo can somehow find that sweet spot of like what is kitty without being kid kid friendly without being kitty, they may be good. And I think they're I think they're close to it. So this all ties in also with another rumor making the rounds, and I'm gonna admit up front this is a bit of a stretch. This is quite a stretch. But hear me out. For the past month or two, um, there's been this rumor that the NX may be using cartridges instead of discs for the game. I've heard that. Yes. Adding fuel to the fire is that just after E3, people discovered Nintendo's trademark patent for Zelda Breath of the Wild. On said patent, it says it's trademarked for both disc format and cartridge format. That's weird, you would think. Why would Zelda, a game that's on a disc, need a cartridge? Well, here we go. In the past, Wii U games have only listed disc. In the past, 3DS games have only listed cartridge. Now you got Breath of the Wild listing both, so it is unusual. A 3DS port, clearly. It, it, clearly, <laughs> but it is very unusual. Now, to throw a wrench into this theory I just presented to you, Ever Oasis, a 3DS game that was also revealed at E3, also is listed for cartridge and disc, as well as download, um, on its patent. So there's two possibilities here. Either one, they are going cartridge. Two... They have completely just changed their formatting of their trademarks to always include cartridge and disc. Or three... In case they want to. Yeah, in case they want to. Or three, somehow Ever Oasis got messed up or somehow Zelda got messed up. And in either case, it's not correct. My guess is it's either two or one. So either they are just, in general, doing a failsafe. I forgot what reason one was. So we're going to go with the failsafe. <laughs> I think, I, honestly, what I think it is, is I think they're doing a failsafe because... If you want to go conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist on it, they're doing a failsafe because in the future they plan to use cartridges. 
permanently, but they want to have the trademarks be backward compatible, so to speak, in case they do discs, or for when they do discs. So NX could be cartridge, but they still could have discs. So their new policy of we put cartridge and disc on everything could be because they're moving towards cartridge. They just want to make sure disc is covered, so they just put everything under that umbrella just to make sure all their bases are covered. Maybe mm-hmm. Everoasis is just a side effect of this or something. So maybe sense. they are moving towards cartridges, but... I mean, it's just a panic. There's like no reason for them not to just yeah cover all of but them. The only thing that's weird is they they start doing it right with Zelda. That was the first example, mm-hmm. which we know is coming to NX. So... So it's it, it's interesting, I guess. But it makes... Now, you're probably thinking... I don't know if you're thinking, but you may be thinking, so what's this have to do with the kid thing? Were you thinking that? Nope. Oh. But I guess cartridges are definitely more kid-friendly than Yep, this. that's what I was going to say. It's all about durability. If you're making a system that you're aiming at kids, you want to have a thing that will not dis- be destroyed if a kid accidentally scratches it. Cartridges for 3DS and DS you could throw around. You could put through a wash in a laundry machine. They still work. A disc, you know get a scratch on it and good luck getting past the third level of whatever game it is so it's it plays nice with the idea of a kid oriented system now in the past cartridges have been intense pain point as i'm sure everyone listening remembers the playstation in many ways outpaced the n64 because the playstation had the cheap disc format for third parties and the n64 had the expensive cartridges and third parties didn't want to deal with that it was quite a thorn in Nintendo's side for a very long time. However, in the time since, the pricing of memory on cartridges and all that has gone down significantly to the point where, is it even a big deal anymore? Probably not. 3DS is fine. 3DS is support. Vita so, use cartridges. Yeah. So it's kind of moot now. So it might, it could be the return of the cartridge. It's certainly possible. Yeah. yeah. They might be as small as... 3DS games, actually. Yeah, they could, because those can hold, like, many, many games. Like, yeah. you can fit, like, 64 games. Even those. if they make them slightly bigger, that's gigs. still relatively tiny. Like, uh-huh. definitely way... They'll definitely be way smaller than any disc can ever be. Also, it plays nice with the idea that um, the NX in the in its console form and handheld form could share games. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because you're not going to put a disc like... in a handheld, but you will put a cartridge in a console. Yeah, but it almost sounds kind of nice. If there were all cartridges, it almost makes it even easier to transport a store. Yep. I mean, like, I I'm like 100% like, in favor of a cartridge. Like, like disc caddies, I mean, they're nice and convenient, but I mean, if you had a, a cartridge caddy that's the same size as a, as a disc caddy, you could literally have like four cartridges per page right. or per side. Yeah. So, yeah. Mind as well. Yeah, it, seem, it seems like the logical thing, like, especially now that pricing's gone down. I mean, there's like, you can get like terabyte big random whatevers, like random memory cards that are like a terabyte. Granted, they're $300, but um, nonetheless, you can still do it. So, yeah. So my theory is this: the cartridge thing, whether it's because of this rumor or not, I, I think cartridges are the way they're going. And I am in favor, 100%. Um, but that, unless there's any other thoughts you had on NX or heard any interesting rumors. Definitely have not. So yeah, it's been kind of quiet on the NX yeah, front. It might be a good um, a good spot to sever this conversation. Yeah, indeed, because we're switching over to Nindies, including Severed. So back at E3, for those who just want a little background, I had the opportunity to go hands-on with a few upcoming uh, eShop indie titles at this cool little event called The Mix. It's on a rooftop overlooking downtown LA. Just people bring, companies bring their wares, and then, like indie developers, I should say, bring their wares, and then us media folk get a chance to play it. And the fact that I can actually call myself us media folk for once is kind of cool. But, um, yeah, so I got to try games from Drinkbox Studios, Inti Creates, and Way Forward. 
their three years in Wii U project. Specifically, I want to spend a little time talking about each of their three games. So I guess instead of a what I'm playing segment or what we're playing segment, it's more, at least my half is more what I played past tense because we're talking a couple weeks ago now. So the first up is the one that uh, Angel just name-dropped, which is Severed. And it's actually a surprise reveal from Drinkbox. Uh, they're the guys that make Guacamelee, for those who don't know. Which is really good. And it's, Yeah, it's really good. And they're bringing Severed now to... Uh, or they're now bringing Severed to Wii U and 3DS. It originally was out on Vita. It'll be Wii U, 3DS, and iOS later this year. Sometime this summer, I think, was their plan. And I didn't actually know anything about Severed. I saw it was announced on the YouTube stream by Damon Baker, Nintendo's like indie dude. And... I went to Drinkbox's table at the thing, and I'm like, I like Guacamelee's look. Like, I like your guys' art style a lot. I don't know anything about Severed. I'd love to try it. And they're like, great. And they just, like, walk me through the whole game. And it actually is pretty cool. So it's kind of like this old-school first-person dungeon crawler mixed with, like, Infinity Blade or, and I hate to say it, Fruit Ninja. So <laughs> before I lose you at Fruit Ninja, because I feel like a Fruit Ninja name drop is almost like, oh, no, no, no. But, like, I should say that why I mean... It's Fruit Ninja. It's a fun game. It's fun, but it's just like, I just swipe your finger around like mad. You don't even have to have strategy. So I should clarify that Severed, while it shares the swipe your finger as a sword mechanic or use the stylus as a sword, is actually way more depth than Severed. And it's, it's, it's kind of impressive, like, how deep it goes. So how it works is you go dun- you go into a dungeon, you explore room by room by looking around the room and going far. You know, it's like any first-person dungeon car from back in the day or, like, Etrian Odyssey where you kind of, like... Go in, there's a door, door on the left, door on the right. You flick the control pad or stick in the direction you want to go. You go, move to the next room, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and along the way, like in a normal dungeon car, there are little puzzles to solve and, of course, enemies to battle. And the enemy battles are where things get more interesting. It's not just you swipe willy-nilly. There are specific weak points on enemies. There is a parry system where you slash basically into the direction that they're going to slash at you, and you can block if you do it at the right time. And when you first do this, it's pretty straightforward and not particularly difficult, as you'd imagine. It's just like, oh, I see an opening in between two of his body parts. I will slash there. Oh, here comes a sword from the right. I will slash to the right. But where it does get kind of cool is it becomes a juggling act. Because you ultimately, at least in the demo, I think I fought four or five at the same time of the enemies. And how it works is each one's on the screen. Much like in the dungeon crawling, you only see one thing in front of you at a time. So you have four or five of them, and you see one enemy. Now on your left, maybe two more, and on your right, maybe two more. You have to cycle between them. And what you got to do... That's pretty cool. Yeah, what you got to do is you got to juggle cycling between them, timing your attacks, and doing your attacks, all with their own attack cycles. So there'll be little indicators that show you, like, oh, this guy's going to be hitting you soon, or that sort of thing. But you eventually work into this, like structure where like okay so this guy's attack takes this long i can swing over here to the left i could do hit him a few times go two to the right hit him another time come back and parry this guy and it's just this whole there's like strategy in what is normally just simple swiping and it gets pretty fun like it's it's it gets kind of intense you get as you go through the game i mean they were showing me i played it on wii u they showed me the 3ds version they're showing like further in the game there's more enhancements you get and whatnot that you know really beef it up and add new elements but the core idea of just like you have this first-person slash-with-your-finger game, except there's also actual strategy involved. It's kind of nice. Like, you don't see games like that, right? Like, even Infinity Blade, which is, like, the go-to, like, I'm slashing enemies with my finger on iPhone. Even that's kind of just, like, you slash. There's some... It's not quite this level, I feel like. So it's cool. It's cool that they're doing this. And, um, of course, as you kill enemies, you get enhancements for your character that you can add, and it has, like, that whole RPG element... 
there's actually one neat thing where at the end of a battle, it'll go into like a slow-mo focus mode sort of thing. And if you slash, it'll like the game will show you some highlights of where you can slash an enemy and they can collect its body parts and kind of like absorb them into yourself or wear them or whatever. So like, um, you know, be like, oh, slash his four arms. Cool, you have his arms. That can give you a boost in the future. Or, oh, take his eyeball out by slashing around his eye or that sort of thing. So it it has some like interesting elements to it for sure. And um, yeah, I guess the only other thing to note about it is the art style, which if you've played Guacamelee, you know... Drinkbox has that cool... Very angular, yes, very, very angular, co- very... Color. Exactly. And I feel like um, Severed kind of steps that up. It's almost like the the credit art... Se- it's like the, the art from the credit sequence of The Incredibles. Yeah, and it looks really good. Like, Severed in particular looks really, really good. Like, they stepped... I feel like they moved further in that direction, and according to the Drinkbox guy I was talking to, it's the exact same people that did the Guacamelee art, so that makes sense. It's also Mexican-inspired artwork and Aztec inspired and that sort of thing. Just like um, Guacamelee? Just like Guacamelee. I mean, it's the same team, so it makes sense. But what they did is kind of cool for the Wii U version is um, they actually up the graphics to HD, of course, and they added new particle effects as well. So there's a whole other layer of graphics on top of what you may see on the Vita version or the upcoming 3DS version. And regardless of which one you buy, Wii U so or 3DS... So like Wii is like the definitive one? Well, in many ways, but then you have the portable 3DS one that also has the lower screen being used for stuff. So it kind of... You, well, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't, you, oh, that's true. Well, I guess 3D. no, 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 well, um, the Wii U one, the gamepad is where all the action takes place. The 3DS, the game, the touchscreen obviously is where all the action takes place. So the, the lower screen was a mistake, but there, there, I guess there's stuff on both top screens. I'm not, I think about it, I don't remember. But my point was, regardless of which version you choose, it's one of the few eShop games that actually supports cross-buy. So if you buy one, you're getting the other, Ooh. which is pretty cool. And they hope to have it out um, sometime this summer, is what they told me. So soon ish, but I would, I would, I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. I, it's, it's not really like anything else on the eShop at all, which is kind of cool because there's a lot of stuff on the eShop that's the same genre, and this is something totally different. And it's just, it's fun. It's like it's you, it's different. It's cool. I like it. So yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll probably give our full impressions when it's out. But. So how does Andrew Striker Gumble two compare? Well, that see, nice. Lack of transition. As I say, that one's interesting because um, if if Severed is something new, Azure Striker Gumball 2 is very familiar, but not in a bad way. Like, at the time I played it, it was still just a 3DS eShop exclusive. Like, it was just a sequel to Azure Striker Gumball. But since then, Inti Creates actually announced that's bringing it out in a physical $30 combo pack with the original Azure Striker Gumball. So it's one and two on one cartridge. It's called the Striker Pack, and what's particularly unexpected is that Yacht Club Games, yes, the Shovel Knight Yacht Club Games, is publishing it. So, Gesundheit. 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 Thank you. So, so yeah, um, we have Yacht Club Games now, first of all, is a publisher of other people's games. This is a first. And secondly, because they're publishing it, that means that Gunvolt 2 actually has Amiibo support, and if you scan the Shovel Knight Amiibo, you will unlock a one-on-one duel with Shovel Knight. It's a kind of neat little extra. I didn't get to see any of that, though, because that was all announced after E3. And what I played at E3 was just Gunvolt 2 in its purest form, which um, it's kind of what you've seen before and kind of not. So there's actually two different Gunvolt games inside here in the sense of you have Gunvolt, who, for those who listened to the show way back in the day with episode 80, I really praised the game a lot when I played it then. I really like it. And Gunvolt's thing is he can tag enemies by shooting them and then basically do like 
kind of like drop lightning on top of them. I don't know how better to describe it, but he can just have them all get attacked at once. Like he tags a bunch of attacks, you do a combo, you move on. There's a whole rhythm to it. And now with Gunvolt 2, that is back. You can be Gunvolt again, or you can play as his rival Copen in a very like Mega Man Zero sort of way, where it's like the game's the same game, but the like it's the same core game, but the level layouts are different. Things are customized to Copen. It's a whole different experience. So with Copen, you have a totally new mechanic where you dash into enemies to tag them, and then you have more powerful guns you can shoot too, opposed to shooting them from afar and dropping things on them. So Copen's almost more like offensive gameplay while offensive, not offensive, while um, Gumball's a bit more defensive. So it's a very different flow, a very different rhythm. Uh, I played only as Copen for the Gunvolt 2 demo, and it really does feel different. Like, he has something like eight different angles you can dash around in, like the full D-pad angle. Every D-pad angle you can do, he can dash. So it's a lot quicker. It's a lot more um, kind of running, not even running gun, run, dashing gun, I guess you could say. And there's a lot more like you're, you know, zipping past spikes. You're bouncing off enemies, trying to combo them that way instead of tagging a bunch and then doing your thing. So it, it feels very different. It, it makes almost a wholly, totally different game. But admittedly, it does... If you're used to Gunvolt, there's a bit of a different groove you have to get into. But once you get into it, it's really fun. And uh, also, like the original Gunvolt, it's pretty challenging. I, I did not do too well at the demo, and I think I think the NT Creates rep was like, yeah, this guy's not very good at this demo. No, he, he was super nice. But if like, only he knew. We were, I mean, we were joking about if it. If only but. he knew. See, that's how I play it off, by the way, at things like E3. Because I wasn't there. Well, remember, see, that's remember, how remember Comic-Con, Hyrule Warriors? Uh, let's not discuss that. Uh, okay, you can tell the story, whatever. No, that's that's because no one told me to use the Z-targeting. So, okay, I'll tell the story. It was, it was so we were at Comic-Con. This was the year Hyrule Warriors came out. It's like ashamed. Do you want to tell the story or should I? No, no. No, I mean, you can. Uh, so we were at Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors the year... Comic-Con, the year Hyrule Warriors came out. I was playing the demo. I was in a big boss-ish fight thing like one of the mini bosses in the first Hyrule field where you're surrounded by 100 plus enemies and I wasn't doing too well I wasn't hitting enemies I ended up dying the Nintendo rep who then remembered me in the future because of this incident um was like wow you're the first person ever died playing this it's easy he literally said to me it's easy and then I said well what I do wrong and he's like you didn't Z target I'm like there's Z-Target in this? He's like, yeah, it's the R button. I told you at the start. I'm like, y- you did? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh. So if I press the R button, I would have done great. But because I didn't, I am literally the worst gamer in this Nintendo Ref's eyes ever. Which I feel like is an accomplishment. At least I'm remembered. Uh, Are you, you remembered? I don't think said, so. Somebody <laughs> said, um, like, you were the only person to have that. You should have said, I actually run a Nintendo blog. <laughs> hey, let me give you my card. <laughs> How about no? <laughs> RandomNintendoFailures.com. But uh, yeah, so with with Gumball, I was not I was not playing my best. Which um, I mean, it was still really fun. And once I got into the rhythm, I did better. But there's definitely like a little couple minutes there where I was just like, uh, yeah, I, I suck at. Did you games. do better in Shantae at least? I did, which is the third game. Uh, but I do want to say before I get to Shantae, real quick. Um, so basically, if you like Gunvolt 1, you're going to like Gunvolt 2 from what I played. If you like Mega Man or Mega Man 0, this is more of the spiritual succession than Mighty Number no. 9 will ever be. Uh, speaking of Mighty Number no. 9, we are supposed to give impressions this episode. I didn't really get a chance to give it a fair shake, so we're pushing that off for a bit. I don't think anyone's going to miss it, because I think we all know the consensus on that game already. But I do eventually want to give my impressions, so stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, Gunvolt, Gunvolt's fun. It's out September 30th on eShop or in the starter pa- uh, Striker Pack, so keep an eye out for that. Worth picking up if you like any of those games. And lastly, you brought up Shantae. I'm now going to bring up Shantae. You backed Shantae. 
I did. Yeah, and I played it. And it's fun. It's actually really good. I like it a lot. Um, so, Shantae Half Genie Hero is actually coming out on like every system known to man. But conveniently enough, WayForward specifically was demoing the Wii U version at the Mix event. So I got to try... I did a level... Um, it, I think it's right at the start of the game. Like, basically, you're in this town, the, the Scuttle Town or whatever, Seaside Scuttle Town, and it's being attacked by Risky, Boot and, Risky Boots pirates. So you're platforming through that, and then at the end, there's this boss fight against Risky Boots in her boat, where it's actually kind of a neat idea. So basically, there's a bell at the bottom left, there's a platform at the top left, and there's the boat on the right. And what you have to do is ring the bell, which summons a bomb. You, then you have a limited amount of time to climb up these chains to get to the bomb, to then bomb the, throw out the ship and bomb the ship. All while the ship's shooting things at you. So, you know, it's, it's standard platforming fare, but it's just kind of a fun little variation on it. And then uh, I'd say the rest of the game could be summed up as it's pretty much platforming like you'd expect, just done really well. So if you played Shantae, you got your hair whipped back. That's still there. You know what to expect. She can still do her projectile. Did, did she have fireball projectiles in the old games? Because she does in this one. Yeah, she has a bunch of right. items that yeah. are pretty much projectiles. or spiky balls that revolve around exactly. her. Exactly. Yeah, like so she has those. But uh, what the demo really showed to me is, like, Shantae's never been in HD. Shantae's never been on a console. Oh, I take that back. It's on the Wii. But Shantae's never been WiiWare, right? Mm, no. eShop. Oh, yeah, so it has been in HD, and it has been on console. Sort of, I mean, Let it, me was, it was just Shantae's never been hand-drawn, made for HD, yeah. opposed to up until now. And it really, you can really tell. Like, WayForward did some really cool, like, there's multi-layered backgrounds that look really nice. There's some parallaxing effects that are really cool with how the backgrounds move around. There's, like, it just looks, the characters are really fluid. I imagine those parallaxing backgrounds are actually going to look really nice in 3D, on the 3DS. But, um, yeah, the characters look really fluid. It, the first thing I thought when I was playing the game is this reminds me so much of Wario Land Shake It. In, this, in terms of, not gameplay, but, like, both games have this quality of them that makes it feel like you're playing a cartoon. Like, well, they're, they're so, both hand-drawn, they're traditionally hand-drawn, animated. No, but they're hand, yeah, they're hand-drawn, traditionally animated. They're super smooth. It just like it, it's like really smooth. They they handle very well. Like it, it felt like I was playing a cartoon. That was actually really cool. And um, the rest of it, like like I said, it's kind of like what you expect from Shantae. One thing I did notice that wasn't really crucial in the demo was uh, her animal transformations and how you activate them. It's actually kind of reminiscent of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So in Breath of the Wild, you press a button and you get that little menu selector above Link, like a little bar of icons. In Shantae, you press a button and you get a little half circle of square icons that let you pick your ammo with a flick of the stick. So it's kind of funny that the two of them share like the same sort of quick select box, um, especially because I would say out of all the games I played at A3, which includes the ones I just rattled off, that I, I enjoyed all of them. But something about Shantae, besides Zelda, I think the Shantae demo might have actually been my favorite of E3. Like, it, was just, it was just like really, it had like this Nintendo quality to it. Like it was just really well put together. And the platforming was solid. Like, the, the physics felt right. Like, well, it was just All the way forward games are usually really, really polished. So. And even, mm-hmm. like, the demo was really polished. Like, you know, you expect demos to be pretty... People... Put, I don't think you realize how much... Or you, the listeners, necessarily realize how many months of dev time are required just for these demos to perform at a level that the companies are happy with. But, of course, there's still issues and whatnot. But, like, Shantae felt like a finished game. Like, full on. So, yeah. I was very, I was very happy with it. I wasn't planning to pick it up. But now I'm going to pick it up. So, I mean, I all funny enough, all three games I talked about I'm going to pick up. That's why I wanted to talk about them. They're all good. But, like, Shantae in particular just resonated with me. So, for those who are interested, um, it's out September 27th on Wii U and 3DS. Who, who For people who did not back the Kickstarter, such as me, 
Uh, the Wii U version actually is getting a physical release currency of Exceed Games, and it comes with a soundtrack of 20 songs for $30. So it's as if I kickstarted it just without putting the money up front. For double the amount. For double the amount. Never mind then. But yeah, so um, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm pretty excited. It's funny that um, Shantae and Gunvolt come out three days apart. And Severed is somewhere in that ballpark, late summer. So they're all coming soon. They're all worth checking out. Um, there is that bit of a Wii U drought right now, so at least the two of them on Wii U, you know, can help with that. And then if you have a 3DS, you got Gunvolt to keep you busy. But yeah, I'm, I was happy with all three. It's, it's rare that you go to like one of these indie game events and every single game's like, oh, this is actually really cool. But did of, you ever get to try that F Zero cool. looking one that I mentioned? I did, the, the PC one. Yeah. It is an alpha build, so it's very early. Uh, there were no other components on the track, but it was actually pretty fun. The developer after was like, how's the sense of speed? I'm like, it's good. Is this like the lowest difficulty? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's good Good for like an intro speed. Like, it's perfect for the intro speed, but hopefully the when they ramp it up, it has better speed. There's also, what was that game called? The Black and White? I forgot what it was called. But uh, it's like Chat Chat cha, cha, Chasm? No. Wait, wait, there's this Black and White... It's like Splatoon, but it's black and white, and it's first person, but it's kind of a similar vertical-based fighting. Uh, that's really fun. It's made by USC students. I didn't know that. That's kind of mm. like, they're literally college kids. Just like, check out our game. USC students, um, they made some other games. Yeah, they, they have a whole game development. No, yeah, they, I want to say they were partly responsible for Flower or something. Yeah, like they that. helped. I think it was Flower. Is it Flower or Journey? Well, both. I mean, Flower and Journey are made by the same people, mm. so... That's how I cover my bases with not being wrong. I don't know games by the same. I know that Sony sponsors like USC students or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like, yeah, they do. Um, and also, there's a while we're talking about games that aren't Nintendo. Uh, Giant Cop. Again, oh, yeah. I said this last episode. I'll say again. That's Cop C O P. Giant Police Officer. Don't mishear me, please, because that's a very different game if you mishear me. Uh, but that's very fun. I gotta use the Oculus with the touch controllers, which are those little or like those round ones that you put you wear on your hands, and then you can like around it's pretty fun you basically pluck people you're in the oculus you're in a city and your job is to pluck criminals off the ground so you have to bend down and then squeeze both sides of the touch controller to pick them up and they kind of toss them into this giant garbage pail that doubles as a jail it's uh it's fun there's a lot of cool stuff at the mix um most of it's gonna be on steam even i think all the games i just rattled off are available on non-nintendo platforms so yeah there's there's good stuff kind of coming our way um yeah definitely makes me wish i didn't have class that day that could have gone. Yeah, that that's what the bummer is because you did get in, but then you had the conflict. Yep. There's always next year. E3's not going anywhere. Already. Now watching two weeks, they're like E3's moving to Atlanta again, and they're like, ah, great. But yeah, that pretty much for me. That that's why I was playing. I mean, Pokemon Go is where I've been playing lately, but these three I did want to touch on. Um, I know you were supposed to be playing Zero Time Dilemma, but do you want to talk about how they screwed that one up? Yes, yeah, so I guess Amazon has some. Uh, just some shipping delays with the watch. I mean, it was literally just the watch. They had the game just fine, and people that already that only ordered the game were able to get it. But anyone that got the pre-order bonus, which was the watch model from this game, had it delayed. And the exact same thing happened with um, Virtue's Last Reward. Which is its predecessor, so now there's a yeah, consistent so the tradition issue. Now. <laughs> so this time, instead of just delaying everything, they just decided to ship out the game without the watch. So I just got the game today. And I have, guess I'm getting the watch sometime later. You got to the credits in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Fastest game to beat ever. Yeah, it's literally the, the shortest game ever. If you play it, you'll know exactly what I mean. But obviously <laughs> that's just the beginning. But yeah. Yeah. And and um, you didn't really play it, but you, did, did you still want to touch on Phoenix Wright at all? 
You, didn't you finish the uh, anime or something like that? Play it? It's not really something you play. I said you didn't really play it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, but we, so I guess for you it's more what you've been watching than what you've been playing. Yeah, so but I, I know you wanted to circle back on it. Yeah, so I guess like a little while ago I touched on um, just the first episode of Ace Attorney, the, the anime. Just because, I mean, it's a pretty big video game and just... Yeah, no, it, it relates. Yeah, yeah, yeah let me explain it. Well, anyway, <laughs> no, um, well, I was pretty much trying to say that it was kind of a big deal to me when they announced it. Oh, it's like, sure. like, oh my god, like, a, it's a turny anime. And now that the seasons over, essentially just, they just went through the entirety of the first game. And overall, I guess I was, I went from give it a watch to now I'm kind of like, um, only if you're a really big fan. And even then it's kind of like, you could kind of skip it, unfortunately. Really? So. That's a bummer. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it's not really its fault. I think... I don't know, it's weird. If you're a fan of the games and you already played through the games, then you know everything that's coming. So at the end of the day, you're just getting an abridged, almost like a summary of what happened. So I feel like as weird as that, the only purpose it really serves is if you're like, oh man, I wonder, I forgot kind of what happened in part one, but I don't really want to play through a 40-hour game. Somebody's going to watch this. And it gives you like, I don't know, it was like 12 episodes, I feel, or something like that. So I don't know, six hours. So like in six hours, you get a nice recap, and it does a pretty good job of recapping it, but you do kind of miss a lot of that mystery and the solving of it, because, I mean, they have to do some cuts, and for the most part, like, they were fine, what they had to cut, but I feel like on the last case, that one, they made some changes that were kind of crucial to some reveals that happened in it, like, they kind of told you some backstory really early on that you don't even get until, like, maybe the fourth or fifth day in the game, and that mm-hmm. kind of makes it feel less impacting, even the way, like, like at the end of it, like, Maya is supposed to steal some evidence from the main villain, but in the anime, she, they have to, like, sneak into an office, and she gets tasered by some random officer. I don't know, it's just, it ended up just being a little underwhelming, and I was just, well, that's kind of a shame. If anything, um, they did have one bonus episode at the end that was just a recap of when Phoenix was a little kid, and it was just talking about that day that's always referenced to in the game, but they never actually tell you anything about it. Just, I had a trial at school that made me want to be a lawyer. So they actually fleshed that out completely, added an original side story to it. So and then actually, is, it, is it canon? Do they consider it part of the main story? Or is it just I don't kind know. Of I mean, the riff? producer for both, for the games, was also working on the show. But, oh, yeah, I mean, it kind of, I mean, it lines up with it. Like, they don't really mm-hmm. show anything in it that kind of contradicts anything. So it could be canon for all we, right. for all we know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even if it's not, I mean, either way, I was just going to say that I felt that episode was definitely, like, the strongest one. Just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, they had original stuff to work with. Kind of like the manga that I read. None of the stories retreaded re- re- any water, so it was just pure original stories. It was great. And I wish that's what the anime did, just completely original stories. Right, but right. because of that, I don't know, I feel like that probably hurt it the most. So if someone's never played the games i guess if someone really doesn't <laughs> want to play the games yeah. they should like if they only have 10 hours total versus yeah, i guess, I guess they should just watch the show but but the games are the way yeah, to go the show just kind of takes away some of the i don't know i guess it's some of the mystery because i mean this, this game is supposed to be like a, a murder mystery game yeah and i feel like this one kind of takes away a lot of that sure a lot of the mystery part of it and I love murder mystery shows. So, right. Yeah. You know, there's just weird thing. There's this weird revival of like murder mystery games in general. I mean, I mean Zero Time Dilemma is a murder mystery. Zero Time Dilemma, Phoenix Wright, 
And then, so Phoenix Wright had a panel on Amex for that we went to. I, oh, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that besides that it exists. It was kind of cool, actually. The producer was there, uh, Motohai Eshiro, I think is his name. Got to meet him afterwards. That was neat. But the, the point I was going to make is why I was bringing up Anime Expo is um, there's another one coming to 3DS now. Like, I didn't, I, this is more of a side than anything else. But um, if you didn't hear, this might interest you. Um, do you know about Chase? Did you hear about Chase? I barely heard about that. So Chase, this game's called Chase Cold Case Investigations Distant Memories. Almost as long as a title, as uh, almost as long of a title as any Phoenix Wright game. So, good effort by Axis Games, who's bringing it to North America. And uh, it's another kind of interactive novel that's a murder mystery. It, the reason this is of note is because it's by the guys who did Hotel Dusk and the guys Ooh. who did Trace Memory. Now, this really is the unofficial sequel to Hotel Dusk. I mean, the character looks the same, the art style is Don't you mean the similar. unofficial sequel to whatever the sequel to Hotel Dusk is? Oh, yeah, is? yeah, yeah. But um, the Hotel Dusk sequel we never got in America, which yeah. is a bummer because Hotel Dusk is really cool. Yeah. But I never beat it, but I enjoyed it enough to apparently not care how it ended. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do like it, though. But, uh, yeah, so the game follows a murder mystery. You, If I remember correctly, it's like there's an explosion, and you are five years after it takes place, and you and your partner are like, oh, there might have been co- they might have been covering up a murder with that explosion. So you're, like, reopening the case, and, of course, stuff will unravel and get crazy. But it's very it's hotel it's basically hotel dusk two three, so just I just thought I'd throw that out there so you're, <laughs> since you mentioned interactive murder things, oh, yeah. like it, yeah. it, I'm I'm interested just because of the hotel dusk connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you really want to do some murder mystery viewing, then I would also just recommend Erase instead of Ace Attorney at that point. Mm-hmm. It's just another yeah. anime that's a murder mystery thing. I uh, Cannot I was YouTube. hoping you were just gonna stop the sentence if you really want to do murder. <laughs> just kind of let it linger. Yeah, I could have structured that sentence a lot better. But no, 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 it's fine. You just you you, you if you did a little longer of a trial. Yeah, class. I mean, no, I mean they're still gonna air the second their season of Ace Attorney, and I'll probably still watch them anyway, just because. So basically, it's not great I, as an anime. It's not great as a replacement for the game. So why even bother? Why even bother? Just play yeah, the game. They, or watch it should have just had original stories. Yeah, it just they should have done inspired by instead of one to one. Yeah, just like the manga. I mean. Yeah, because yeah. you like that a lot. You no, yeah, like them, right? I, I, yeah, I love them. Like they were really great. Like they actually kept you because they're spinoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's just it. Because like, if you're a fan, you already know who killed what, or like yeah. you know everything. Yeah, like it's kind of hard to get into a show if you kind of already know everything about it. If anything, you're just sitting there the whole time going like, "Oh, that's different. Oh, that's not as good." I think movies, and even then, people do that in movies. But movies are the only one where they could almost do a retelling and have it mostly work. Yeah. And I feel that's only because they have to rework so much yes, of it to exactly. make it to make it two hours. Like the Ace Attorney movie that I still haven't seen because the live they, action? Yeah, because they just haven't made it yeah. conveniently available. Um that one I heard was had relatively good reception because of how much it had to change. Yeah, because they have to make it its own yeah. beast. Yeah. But yeah, that's well, that's a bummer about Ace Attorney. But hey, at least there were three great indie games you can look forward to. See, I brought that back in for no apparent reason because I'm not going anywhere with this comment. Yeah. Well, maybe when they finish going through all the games, they'll be forced to create. Well, then again, if it's not going to be received, well, they might not even they get, to, not it get yet, to it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, how well, people have been received? Like, they had a panel at Amex, but just for the anime, separate from the game panel. We like we went they to had the a, Justice for All. They, pa- or it the wasn't really Spirit a panel. Justice it was a. Do you remember on our halfway between South Hall and West Hall of the, of the convention center in downtown Los Angeles, there <laughs> is like a walkway. And for whatever, yes. and this year, um, Animex decided to put like a Crunchyroll 
Bear Country there. built a stage on the walkway. Yeah, they had the panel there. Oh, so it's kind of like so, a yeah, passerby. Yeah, it wasn't a real panel. Yeah, they just had the producer there and they just had him ask questions. It's probably because it's already there for our panel that we went to yeah. more. Because like the panel we went to, um, the Spirit of Justice, Ace Train yeah, 5 that was an actual... panel, 800 people, yeah, full yeah. room. And that was the first time they revealed the English trailer for the game. Yeah, and, and they confirmed Maya's back and mm-hmm. some other stuff. It's actually pretty cool. It's fun to be there. Yeah, it's and, funny and, and to... Also, I guess you don't really... I mean, yeah. I guess it's just that barrier of entry of the fact that it's a game, but these games are pretty much like shows. I mean, they have they cuts. Really they have animated cutscenes. They have tons of... Each uh, game is almost like a new season. Especially with the 3DS one. Like, now that they have animated cutscenes, it's pretty much like watching an anime with some sections you have to interact with. I... I feel like... I mean, Professor Layton kind of started that, but yeah. Ace Attorney pretty much continued it. Yeah, I feel like Ace Attorney, these days, it's almost like you're watching seasons of a show. It's almost like... It's like Capcom's yeah, like, yeah, it's hey, you know Game of Thrones? You know how HBO does that? Well, we're going to do that every year, but it's going to be legal stuff with a guy with really spiky hair that likes moving his yeah, finger in a forward that. direction. It literally feels like... Yeah, season, yeah. It's, it's seasons. Yeah, season six. And I mean, they price it accordingly too. Like you're not paying full price for these games; it's usually thirty, right? Yeah. So it may, it kind of makes sense, like especially because they're download only. And that I know you like the physical well, editions, but honestly, that is one of the perks of having something like the eShop growing in prevalence or app stores in general is that you can do stuff like that. I mean, uh, Telltale Games literally calls their shows or their games seasons, yeah. and they're sort of a similar cut from similar. They're literally the same thing, yeah. Yeah. So like. If anything, those are more gaming because there is... Yeah, because yeah, yeah, there's branching paths and stuff, yeah. But like my, my point is, like it's kind of cool that there's these new ways that games can be rolled out. Like This is the one oh, yeah, place the where a season one. pass... Are you going to try out the Batman yes, Telltale Yes, of course game? I am. This is the one place where a season pass, actually, the name makes sense if they were to apply it. Like, mm. season pass for Assassin's Creed, it's like a season of DLC? What defines a mm. season? Like, when winter's over, does DLC stop? I don't understand. But, but like, a season pass for Telltale makes total sense. Yeah. But for Ace Attorney, in theory, it would make sense. If they were to split it up like that. Because, I mean, if, every like, game is split into episodes. Yeah. So, or trials. But, but I mean, but, they could easily... I, I, mean, I hate to say it because it's, it's, it's going to be probably more expensive in the long run. They could easily do it. A rollout where it's like I know, just, one episode a month. Just literally for four just chop up the game. Yeah, yeah. But because of Ace Attorney and the fact that you get to play through an entire game at your pace, yeah, that's kind of how I still choose to play all the Telltale games. Like I won't mm. buy any. You wait till the end. Yeah, I won't buy any until they're all out. Like yeah. I won't even do the season pass because they're just so good. I don't. I don't want to stop in between I'm them. Really curious about the Batman one. I bet. Yeah, I should probably play the Walking Dead one. You've been telling me to play it forever. I'm never gonna watch the show. So. Well, I mean, I don't watch the show either. I you, you you watch season one. I watched the first episode. Oh, I thought you watched the first season. I kind of lost interest after that. Oh. I've seen the Walking Dead cast at Comic-Con, like, multiple years. Like, Norman Reedus has, like, brushed my shoulder. Oh, my God. But <laughs> but I've never uh, watched the show. I don't know. It's the, the gaming unit. I mean, and that's, like, kind of the nice thing. Like, that's why they all work. Like, the graphic novel mm-hmm. is... Graphic novel. The graphic novel is different from the TV show, which, which is, is different, different from, from the game. Because the they're all... They're all they're, it's all the same. They're all catered like, towards their medium. Yeah. So... It's smart. It's a really smart Which is what approach. Ace Attorney was doing with the manga. Instead of redoing the game yeah. in manga form, they did until, until Until the anime. The anime yeah. threw it off, yeah. yeah. Which, I don't know. Maybe there was a way it could have worked. I don't know. I didn't make it, so... Right. I tried to. Right. Well, you could just go... Full. You'll, be in, you'll be in Japan soon enough for your vacation. You could go to the studio that made it and just demand answers. <laughs> I mean, how I else do I going to spend your trip in Japan besides demanding answers outside a random anime studio? They keep signaling me that they don't know English or something. And you'll be like, I don't care. <laughs> I have. I need answers to my questions. But but yeah, I think that um, unless there's anything else, I might do it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Ending on that note of you protesting by yourself outside an anime studio in Japan. 
But, uh, yeah, you guys probably don't want to miss our next episode coming up in two weeks because we're going to be covering all the happenings of Comic-Con. We've name-dropped it a bunch of episodes, and that's because it is literally in a week and a half for us. So we're going to have hands-on impressions of whatever games end up there. We don't actually know yet. Nintendo hasn't announced it. Third parties haven't announced it, so we will see. But there's going to be news. There's going to be games. We're going to cover all of it along with whatever else is going on in Nintendo's world, as we always do. The the trick or the catch is that because Comic-Con is during the weekend we normally record and post the podcast, we are going to have to bump it back a few days. So our next episode, because, you know, we need, we need the full Comic-Con experience to bring you us saying we had the full Comic-Con experience. We can't say that if we don't have it. So um, so because of that, we're going to bump back the next episode until Tuesday, July 26th. It would normally be Sunday, the 24th, but hold out for those extra two days. That's at least what we're aiming to do. So the easiest way to make sure you don't miss it, it could end up being slightly later, I'm not sure, is... Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music or whatever app you're using. Um, follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo because we're going to tweet a heads up both when the podcast is up and when we know the date, what the date will be. So um, do that if you care about our Comic-Con episode or about us in general. Actually, if you really care about us, leaving us a review on iTunes would be super great too and we'd appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I would say five stars or bust, but we'll take four and four and a half. Anything under, use your discretion. But, um, yeah, speaking of Twitter as well, uh, if you want to see what's going on with us during Comic-Con and our Comic-Con adventures, or maybe even beforehand, before that, our Pokemon Go adventures, uh, you can find us individually on Twitter, IMJSR7, Angel is Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O, and, um, yeah, we're also on Miiverse, I mean, physically we're there, we don't really use it anymore, but you can find me at Jason or you can find him again at Wero. So, friend of us there, we may reply to you, we may not. That's the fun of it all. You'll never know. I challenge you, uh, Jason. To what? To catching all the Pokemon. Challenge accepted. How much time do I have? But maybe you track my challenge. Uh, whoever, it's just whoever does it first. Oh, so you're actually going to play Pokemon Go now. You finally found a reason. I'm gonna oh, wait. it's so long. Even though you have the advantage of a lot more free time because of how your summer work schedule works out, it's on. Right, are you actually going to try? I'm going to try. Okay, so we're going to end this episode on that final note. Angel Narcon, you have heads a nice to head. head start. Just I have 86 Pokemon. I have none because I restarted Granted, my files so I could start with the Pikachu. So, to end this episode, all I'm going to say is challenge accepted. Alright. See you guys in two weeks. First to 150 or whatever. First to, well, the problem is it might update it. But. Anyway, I want to end with my dramatic challenge accepted.